man alive, you should hear the conversation I'm having off air with uh, Kelly Betts. It looks like he's the producer of the show today. No one else has turned up. Hey! Look what's missing from behind you. That's mad. Sorry. Sorry. A lot of the uh, branding has gone from the station. I'm guessing it was taken to JVS's Taser special last night. We'll find out how it went. If you, if you, if you did go to the JVS Taser special last night, could you give me a little call and let me know what it was like? Very, I'm just very sorry. I, I missed. Did he fire a taser at the end? I heard. Yeah, I heard he was going to taser himself downstairs as the big show finale. Did that happen? Lots coming up on the show this morning, including the latest figures from Public Health England suggest Luton and Milton Keynes are HIV hotspots and 500 people in the three counties have it and don't know it. I don't know how public health know that, but apparently they do. If you're the head of a huge multinational supermarket chain, yeah, you probably want to tune into Hearts. Milk rounds are dying out and the dairy farmers are blaming you. They're serious, they're livid, and they're on our show this morning. When was the last time you had milk delivered? Milk. And there's talk of banning smoking outside hospitals. Do you think, is that a little bit harsh? It's divided the team here, with some people thinking, fair enough, no, don't smoke outside hospitals. Others going, well, come on, give them a break. There is something charming and romantic about driving past a hospital and seeing an old man on a drip in a wheelchair having a fag. It's what makes Britain great. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you were around in the 80s, you'll remember the Don't Die of Ignorance campaign. But let's be honest, while we're all terrified into taking precautions, the impression was that HIV and AIDS back then was something that gay men had to worry about. New figures from Public Health England suggest, well, you know what, it might be time for a rethink. Infection rates in Luton are almost three times the national average. They're double the national average in Milton Keynes, and there are concerns that members of the African community are most likely to avoid getting tested. Our reporter Richard Williams has been at a testing centre in Stevenage. Oh, that's the B-52s. My name's Suzanne Bannister. I'm the executive director of HeartAid. Today, HeartAid are based in YMCA in Stevenage, providing a um, rapid testing outreach um, clinic as part of National Testing Week. Denise, you're doing the test today. Just talk us through what's going to happen now with Lindsay, who's about to take the test. Okay, so I'm going to go through a HIV pre- and post-test discussion with Lindsay just to find out her risk and also just to reassure her and find out what her main concerns are. What is your biggest fear if you do test reactive? My biggest fear would um, be um, the reaction of people close to me and having children in the future. Who would you turn to for support? Um, Hopefully I think I'd be able to turn to family and friends for support and hope that they understand that... um, 
you know, I didn't ask for this. The outlook for somebody living with HIV today is hugely improved to what it was 20 years ago, particularly if they're diagnosed early. It's essentially, you know, they're monitored and when they need to go on to medication, they will be put on to medication at the right stage. So they will not actually ever enter what we used to call the AIDS stage of the illness. In Hertfordshire, um, they're more than 55% of the diagnoses are late, which is where we have um, additional costs to the NHS as well as additional health problems to the individual. Okay, so this is an INSTE test. It tests, it's a screening test for the HIV 1 and 2 antibodies. It takes 60 seconds to do the test once the test has begun. Okay, so can you feel your hands? Just to make sure they're quite warm. Then get the lancet. So this lancet is relatively painless. That's it. This result's going to come in about 60 seconds. Yes. In the last five years, there's been a 20% increase in HIV diagnosis in the, in the ageing population or people over the age of 50, and those can um, be from a whole range of uh, reasons. Um, you know, people are, are the high, you know, there's a high rate of divorce, there is a high rate of travelling around um, outside of the UK, so there are many reasons why possibly there is an, an increase in infection in that group. Also, I think that they perhaps don't believe that they would be putting themselves at risk if they didn't use condoms since they you know they're not in the, in the age where they may still feel pregnant so they, the condom usage is not perhaps at the a forefront of their minds so it's really important you know that if anybody entering a new relationship no matter what age they are actually practices safer sex okay so what we're looking for is we've got one dot which is at the top which is basically a control and if that, that comes up, that means it's a negative result. Okay, you have not got any HIV antibodies. How are you feeling at this point? Um, a bit apprehensive. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm quite sure that I'm, it's going to be a non-reactive test. But when you're actually in this situation, it's quite nerve-wracking, actually. Okay, so what we're looking for is one of these dots, okay? And that's a lovely negative result. I could actually see you were shaking a little bit though when that test came in, even um, though you knew it probably was going to be negative. Yeah, um, I think, you know, even though you're, you know, you are pretty 100%, you can never be until you've actually tested. And I think it's so worthwhile because now I've just started a huge sort of relief because, you know, you think, wow, okay, now I know. I can just move on and I know my status, which is really quite cool. Terry, you've just come out and you've had a test and the result was negative. You must feel quite relieved. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I thought I might have had it. Why did you want to get tested today? Because all, all the um, bad habits I used to have, especially when I was homeless, and because I was using, using dirty equipment and that, and just feel that weight's been lifted off my shoulders, having the test and being negative. And now you've got this negative result today, that means you can carry on rebuilding your life? Yeah, because I've got my mum and that, and my brothers and sister, and uh, I just want to live, I don't want to die. Drop bags. Having a gecko on your head for me is just wrong. I'm now in the urinal section. I'm now in the urinal section. Having a gecko on your head for me is just wrong. Put that ruddy thing away. 
Oh, dearie me. Isn't the future, which we are living in, amazing? Like, listening to that that song, B-52's Roman, well done, Catherine, for suggesting we play it. It's a belter, isn't it? Isn't it a belter? Uh, I thought, oh, I used to have this on vinyl, this album on vinyl. I've just been onto the computer system here at BBC Three Counties Radio. I've bought the album for one penny. Yes, postage and packing was £25. No, it was one, <laughs> it's, it was £1.27 in total, and I've bought, I'll, I'll have that album in a week. That was a good song, wasn't it, Kelly? I can see why you've paid one pe- one penny for the album. Wow! Did yeah. You, how could you not like Rome by the B fifty twos? Because it's not very good. If you didn't like that, then we're going to hit you with Rock Lobster. Oh. You really won't get that. <laughs> you were saying that they'd obviously ripped off Madonna. Au contraire, Madonna ripped them off. They were around first. Either way, doesn't oh, make it better. Oh, Kelly Betts. <sighs> On the South Bank show, we'll be looking at the sound of music. By the way, if you want to give us a call this morning on the Beat 52s, or indeed anything, you can do 08459 455 555. And even when I'm old and grey, I'm going to feel the way I do today. Because you, you make me feel so young. You make me feel so young. Now, it was part of BBC Three Counties, but would you keep it down in there, you two, please? I'm trying to do a radio show, for goodness sakes. Kelly and Catherine really taking this fitness at work thing a little bit too seriously. Stop it! I'll carry on. As part of BBC Three Counties' big tour, well done, we visit a different town every week in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, covering the stories from there that matter to you. Well, this week we're in Leighton Buzzard, where it appeared the traditional milkman is an endangered species. Now, only one company delivers milk to your doorstep in the traditional way. As opposed to the non-traditional way. <laughs> That's Eggington Dairy, based at Peck's Farm. Well, our gold top reporter, Sophie Solaria, was dispatched to investigate. And then all the cows are in at the moment. There we go. Here they are. The beauties. One thing I absolutely love about the farm is the smell. Oh, yes. <laughs> How many cows have we got here? We've got about 30 in total. And all their calves as well. So, Fiona, you mentioned there that your husband was a milkman. Yes. We have five different rounds, all delivering to the doorstep. And my husband and his family, his parents, started the milk rounds. Oh. Oh. Sorry, that's actually cow pack coming fresh onto the hay. And actually, it is genuinely steaming. I had no idea that that actually happened. That's lovely, isn't it? Let's walk slightly away from there. So, um, back to the uh, back to the conversation in hand, yes. Fiona. Yes, your husband and yourself. Yes, own the only company. That yes, deliver yes, milk. Yes, we deliver milk. We're still in Leighton Buzzard. We still deliver to all the villages and to the town. We have start found that the milk round is now expanding because we're the only ones left, and lots of people phone us up and say. Yeah. Can we come and deliver to them? As as they should. But when did all the big companies stop delivering in Lakeston Buzzard and why? The last company that was delivering sold up because the gentleman retired. And now the same cow is going for a wee-wee. This, is, this cow has to come over to do his toilet right in front of our face. Delightful. Which one's this called? <laughs> That's Buttercup. Buttercup. You are beautiful. You really are a stunner. Um... So, essentially, there's not a lot of competition around for you? Not really, only the supermarket. There are, what, five big supermarkets in Leighton Buzzard. 
and a lot of people now instead of having their milk delivered will get everything from the supermarket and that's essentially the reason why there's only you around yes exactly would you say there was still a need for your deliveries yes there is i mean we got some lovely comments the other day i went over to uh, the brick hills and a lady came over and said oh thank you so much for coming to deliver to us you know some of the elderly people can't get out so much or people that you know perhaps uh, got young children and find it difficult to get out so there's definitely still a market for it how do you feel being the only farm to be delivering milk in Leighton Buzzard? I'm very proud, actually. It's quite an unsociable job, but then, you know, on a beautiful sun, summer's morning, there's nothing better than, than delivering, you know, at dawn. So, no. no, it's very nice. And it is a service. We are giving a good service to people, and they appreciate it. When was the last time you had milk delivered? No one gets milk delivered anymore. No one does, do they? I mean, it's a shame. I used to. It, it's it's a, a lovely, quaint British thing. Is there, anywhere, is there anywhere else in the world that delivers milk? Stephen's a milky. I mean, obviously, some people are getting their milk delivered, Steve. Otherwise, you uh, wouldn't have time to phone up radio stations. No, hang on a second. That doesn't make sense. Yes, yes I am. I have lots and lots of lovely, lovely customers, and they they love me in return as well. Do you? Are you finding your numbers dropping or going up or staying the same? Up, down, same. It, it, it depends. No, I'm not talking about what goes on. With, I'm not talking about what goes on when they can't yeah. pay the bills. I'm asking if, if, if you're, the numbers of uh, people buying. They, they they swap and change, but um, my my customers are, are really loyal to me, so my my stay the same really. But it's it, all the milk trouble goes back years and years ago when there was a thing called milk marketing boards. Oh yeah, and they decided in their wisdom they'd give supermarkets all this great big discount. And if they hadn't given the supermarkets this great big discount in the beginning then me and my little round would have to travel a little bit rather than miles uh. and miles and miles yeah Stephen, can i permission to speak freely speak freely i feel we i feel we, we we get on well that i can do this you're a dying breed aren't you and and what you're doing is wonderful and it's charming and it's quaint but that there is an end in sight isn't there no no oh yes yes there is really and do you I accept hope, you accept hope, that yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, it is a dying breed, and we, one day we will go, and when we've gone, it'll be like everything, else, like, the, like the post office, like the little farm, like the little corner shop, oh, it's gone, I wish, wish it was still there, mm. and it'll be the people who don't use it. Does that make you it's sad, Stephen, that you're, that you're, you're uh, the, uh, the end of a dying breed? I think it's still got a few years to go, because we're, um, me, where, I, where I work at Dairy Crest, we have now gone on to, an on, there's an online account you can use now, oh. where you can do all your shopping online. Virtual milk. Online, and um, you can sort of order it the day, up to the day before, so you can change your order and all sorts, which is, which is picking up quite well. So hopefully, that might give us a few more, few more months. Stephen, oh, a few more months he's talking about, gosh. Stephen, thank you very much indeed. 08459 four double five five double five. Does anybody still get their milk delivered? Does anybody still get um, uh, newspapers delivered? I remember about seven, eight years ago, I started getting Sunday papers delivered. And then when I paid the bill, they charge a fortune. Those kids, they get a fortune for it. Do you still get papers and milk delivered? This is for Mr Babbitt, who's listening to us live in the United States of America. Oh, yes, please. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's that time of the show, 6.33. 
uh, where Catherine Boyle, for, you used to be the, I've just worked out how you are, you used to read the news on yeah, this, I didn't did, you, yeah. before Jane? Yeah, I don't know quite what I did wrong. Because I never got to see your face. Mm. And so, uh, sorry? Yeah. And uh, it's only just when, when Kelly was, was talking yesterday, I went, oh my goodness, Catherine is, uh, you used to do the news and now you're producing. Yeah. Well done, must be a real honour for you, being hands-on with me, not like that. Uh, anyway, it's this point in the show when Catherine Boyle, the uh, former newsreader, current producer, uh, moves from her production studio into my studio. Yes. And we look at the newspapers. Mm. And we invite you, dear listener, to join us. You don't need to have the newspapers in front. It's been tr- often better if you don't. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? 08459 455 555. Give us a call and you can be part of what really is um, taking the internet by storm. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, carry on. What's What? Catherine bought in um, crumble and custard today. Yeah, I did. Nice. You have to feel sorry, I think, for Frankie Valley in this song, don't you? I mean, it's it's, it's all about. By the way, who who are those other guys? I don't know. They're not the Four Seasons. Were they there on the night? I hope not. Were they all? They're just they were, dancing, aren't they? But if they were all there, that, no, it's not about dancing. It's about. Um, I feel sorry for him because it's like every young gentleman's dream um, in, in, to go back in time to December 1963 and um, be seduced by an old woman. But as he says... Is that what it's about? Yes, it's... Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? And you can't see the hand movement I'm doing to listen. <laughs> and um, I feel sorry for him because it's every young man's nightmare to go back to December 1963 and for it to end much too soon. Oh. It was, these things happen. Apparently. Want to try again in a few minutes? Nah. Can we go to sleep? Yeah. Now, Catherine, oh, wait, 459 if you want to uh, take part in this. Lots and lots in the newspapers. Is any of it any good? Celebrity Big Brother kicks off in the new... No, not really. Whoa, 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 hang on a second. <laughs> hang, on a, hang on a second. R- carry on reading that. What's, what's, what's that? Celebrity Big Brother's back. Kicks off in the new year, and it looks like 2014 celebs will be living yep. in the lap yep. of luxury. Yep. No, they won't. They'll end up in their own squalor like everyone else. Even oh. the show's famous logo has been given a posh makeover. Yep. Yep. Emma Willis, 37, returns to host the hit Channel 5 okay. show. Oh, she's very good. She's good, I like her. And will also present Celebrity Big Brother's bit on the side. Yep, good. she's good Which is that. good and a bit sweary. Yeah. With Ryland Clark. He's good. Are we He's good, isn't he? I like him. Oh, the fellow's not mentioned. The house has been given a five-star revamp with chandeliers, plush what? furnishings and fireplaces. What about the other presenters? Um... Oh, they left me a flipping name off. I'm doing that as well. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, co- I'm co- co-hosting the Saturday Night Show. Ryland's my boss. Ryland's my boss. Really? What kind of crazy, weird, parallel universe are we living in? I'll be doing that. What about old Jay? Is she coming back on it? I hope so. I thought she was very good. I like uh, AJ. She's very good. She's excellent. Right. I've got some newspapers here. Let's have a look. Oh, look at this. Page 11 of the Daily Mail. You're right. You've fallen off your chair. Do you need a hand getting up? You crying? A bit. Oh, God. Go on. I'll carry on. You, you let me know when you're, you're ready. It's so, it's um, uh, Taylor Swift, who I have no idea that she looked like that. John... <laughs> John Bon... This is the BBC. John Bon Jovi and Prince William. Hooray! What, he, what a trio. Doesn't he look ridiculous? Look at that picture. Doesn't he look absolutely ridiculous? He looks like he's song-bombing. Is that a word? I think if you're the prince, the future king of England, you're allowed to, to bomb anyone you want. No, what? he's a rescue helicopter. What has, gotten, what has gotten into you today? You really are. 
It's the crumble. I put too much sugar in she it. She did, honestly, it is, so she brought in um, uh, uh, apple cr- homemade apple crumble. Yeah. And uh, lovely custard. I yeah, do, that I, wasn't homemade. No, no, I, lo- I do love I a good custard. custard as well. I, my, back in the day, I used to be, before I started putting, you know, I would put weight on. I, don't, I, I, I didn't used to put weight on. I would get a whole tin of rice pudding, whole tin of custard. Whoa. Well, no, that's put, too much dairy. Whoa, put it into a bowl. <laughs> and that would be dinner. You didn't even have to chew that. That was just. That would be dinner. Wow. Sacked. Not you. There's a comma there. Sacked. The grave digger who looks too happy in his work. In most jobs, putting on a smile is seen as something of a plus. It didn't work for Ray Loxton. The 59-year-old grave digger committed the mistake of grinning while being photographed in a freshly dug grave and only made things worse by being half naked. I feel sorry for this bloke. He's a grave digger, yes. right? It's not. It's, it, it, it's a very basic, simple job in the truest sense. I don't mean that as an insult. It's very basic. You are digging holes to put bodies in. And uh, he's digging a hole. Uh, he's got no top on, and someone comes to take a picture, and you do that thing, when someone points a camera in your face, you smile. I can't help saying cheese. You go, yeah, yeah cheese. cheese. Especially if you've got kids, you always say cheese. 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 And he's smiling. And since then, this picture got put online, he's lost his job as a grave digger. That's terrible. I, th- I feel sorry. There's, uh, there's, uh, someone says later on, everyone has a right to be happy in their work, whether that be digging graves or delivering babies. Oh, that's good. That's the... the, the top and tail isn't it of, uh, of life of life yeah and they're right I, i'm are you happy in your work mostly that's good enough i think Some days that's as good as it can get i think it is let's be realistic mostly are you dear listener are you happy in your work oh eight four five nine four double five five double five in this job i am mostly happy yeah which is always a bonus i think if you're mostly sad then you've got to look at what you're doing i've done jobs that made me miserable oh i've done jobs where i'd go home in literally in tears thinking i don't know i see a way out of this i think we're very blessed that we are mostly happy yeah more often than not we are happy and sometimes you do need the blips to remind you of why you enjoy it most of the time exactly oh eight four five nine four double five five double five are you happy in your job if you're already getting uh, fed up with shops being full of Christmas, no, we love it. No way, Jose. Spare a thought for a pensioner whose life is being made a living hell, Uh-oh. that's in quote marks, by being forced to listen to a choir practising carols for up to eight hours a day. <laughs> She's called the council for, uh, and the police to stop the noise from her neighbour's home, which she says includes a woodwind orchestra. Yeah, maybe oh, that's wowzers. a bit much. Wowzers. Hazel Archibald, who lives in Ashurst Wood in West Sussex, said she'd put up with the tinkling of piano keys from her neighbour for the past two years, which I think is always slightly bohemian. I'd, I wish I had a musical neighbour. We used to live next door, when we lived in London, we used to live next door to a world-renowned, this is true, a world-renowned opera singer. And we, on a sunny day, we'd sit in the garden and she'd have our windows open. We'd get a free opera concert. It Brilliant. was amazing. Exactly. It's like living in Paris or something. Yeah. Everyone's arty. So they weren't French. And good. Well, yeah. Well, all right. So it's not then. Uh, but this month, apparently, this whole choir and woodwind orchestra have descended and Mrs. Archibald, 65, so she couldn't take much more and called in the noise. She said the noise had made her stress to her eyeballs. Wow. That's stress. When it's reaching the eyeballs. Yeah. Speaking of stress to the eyeballs, remember last week we talked about McFly and Busted, our... What a horrible wipe of your nose that was. <laughs> it was horrible. She she made a fist and with the back of her fist just did that. It was disgusting. <laughs> You're not. a mother. I feel sorry for your children. That's what they have to contend My with. My sleeve's not um What is happening? Oh <laughs> We talked about McFly and Busted uh, Busted. We're getting McBusted. to McBusted. Bad idea. Another group has got back together. Oh no. S Club three. <laughs> But it's not really a club, is it? They, uh, 
S Club Gathering. They are not. Pl- they've chosen not to play the huge uh, arenas and the O2s. They'd be rattling like. around in it. Pop club. Pop group. <laughs> S Club Seven are bringing it all back for a gig. Not all. At a bingo hall. Oh. Original members: Joe Amira. Bradley McIntosh and Paul Catamull. Was there one called Paul Catamull? Yes, he was the handsome one. Will perform for... Pen- Is he the one that got dreads? One got dreads in the end and left when they just became... Anyway, they're going to be performing um, at a bingo night for pensioners. £10 a head. Well, that's, that's kind. I'm kind of... T- I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Hey, listen, one other story I want to mention to you. Um, and Justin flagged this up. We'll speak to Dini about this later on. So th- there is a call to ban smoking outside of hospitals... Uh, one of the, the great British sites, one of the sites that makes me feel proud to be British, <laughs> very few times, I'm not that proud to be British, but one of them is driving past a hospital and seeing um, old men in wheelchairs, um, women with drips, pregnant women, puffing away on a cigarette outside a hospital. And I do think pregnant women perhaps is, is a slightly different thing. But I do think if you're in hospital and you're having invasive treatment, it's never nice being in hospital. It's always, it's always sad, it can be a bit lonely. You're obviously there because you're not well. That is not the time to be giving up smoking. That will do you no good whatsoever. So, yeah, go out and have a fag if you want. On the other hand, my mum used to always swear by an open window. Well, I, I, I would, not, sh- not, I would shut that window. What the neighbours think? But, you know, to say, open a window, let the fresh air in, you'll get better. Yeah. If you can't open a window because fag ash lil's down there breathing all sorts in, into your um, open window, then that's not a good idea, is it? Th- th- there should be places. There should be smoking places within the hospital um, zone. You should be able to go out the front of a hospital, drip or no drip, and have a fag. That is not the time to be giving up smoking. I don't know. I think it looks horrible. Oh, I think you wiping bogeys on the back of your <laughs> fist looks horrible. Yeah, I have to endure it every single day, for goodness <laughs> sakes. I think it looks horrible. And when I was pregnant, I remember being told to have a walk around. You know, you're in labour and they're trying to get things moving. Yeah. And having to walk through a cloud of smoke at the entrance to the delivery suite, for yeah. goodness sake. And the nurses were out there as well. Let's put it out there, dear listener. 08459 455 555. Is it cruel to ban smoking outside of hospitals? 08459 455 555. We'll speak to, uh, to Carolyn a little bit about smoking outside hospitals. I kind of think they want to ban it. And I kind of think that when you're in hospital, that's not the time to be giving up smoking. 08459 455 555. Justin, I might have a little chat with you about that as well. But the reason we've got you on at the moment is uh, this incredible story. Hertfordshire County Council has spent over £1.5 million pounds protecting empty properties in the last three years the single the empty properties the single largest amount over two hundred and eighty thousand pounds was used to secure the vacant bill everett center in watford now Justin, i know you've uh, been looking at this what is this all about it's incredible isn't it um we know that over two hundred and eighty one thousand pounds has been spent guarding the center you're talking about in watford since it closed in 2009 uh, it's now a new housing development ian but uh, there was a delay in what the area it should be used for for example a, a new school was one idea so in august this year it was agreed to knock it down at a cost of 110,000 pounds so uh, the cost in total for the security fencing a 24-hour security presence has totaled just shy of 400,000 pounds for an empty building it's incredible isn't it you, you've mm-hmm. been speaking to residents about this i'm guessing they've not been happy absolutely i've been talking to residents in leggett's way in watford about the cost and here's what happened. Colin is a local. As we can see here, it's all yeah. secure still. How much do you think Hertfordshire County Council have paid to keep this area secure since 2009? Take a wild guess. Oh. 10, 15,000. Keep going. A bit more than that. Yep. Oh. Uh, 20. Keep going. 
30? 280,000 pounds of taxpayers' money. That's bad, really, isn't it? Could have spent that on something else. I mean, the centre itself, did you ever use the Bill Everett Centre here? Um, not myself, personally, no. But I have seen this like this for quite a while. Uh, there's security here as well, so... It's quite a weird yeah. setup though, because we can see new properties there, but we can still see parts of the old leisure centre there. It's, it just looks a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit mixed and match at the moment, isn't it? Um, there's loads of new flats there, and there's more over there, so... Uh, when they get round to finishing it and we see it, you know, should be lovely, but... Hundreds of thousands, probably. £280,000. It's a bit of a waste when they could be doing something with it. What would you spend that money on locally? Maybe more leisure. I mean, I know it used to be a swimming pool around there, so and there's nothing sort of close by for people around here. Um, maybe a college. Complete and utter waste of money, then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> James, the Bill Everett Centre, which is at the bottom of this road, has been derelict since 2009. Now, half a Hardy County Council have been paying to, to keep that area secure. How much do you think that has cost... Probably 100,000. 280,000. Crazy. So people there, Justin, uh, th- seem quite t- surprised by that. Mm, you can't blame them either. You know, when, when you think about how much that's cost, you know, in total, uh, just shy of £400,000. It could have been sold a lot quicker. And, of course, that money could have been used for, for something for, for the locals that they could enjoy. And this isn't the only cost the council has spent on security of empty properties, is it? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, quite a few others as well. Uh, £212,000 has been spent on Sunnybank School in Hatfield. Nearly £83,000 has been spent on the Martindale School in Hemel. Uh, that's due to be sold on a bit like Sunnybank. Now, the council tells us it would be irresponsible not to keep their sites and properties secure. They also say they've held on to their properties for a number of years as this is in the best interests of the taxpayer. But, of Sorry. course, those people would disagree. Well, if, hang on. If you're, you, yes, if you're selling it for a profit, then that mm. is in the best interest. If you're paying to keep it empty and then knocking, paying to knock it down, then it's not. I mean, what they would probably argue is this year. Let's just look at the property market this year. Of course, it's, uh, it's booming this year. Back in 2009, it wasn't. So they would argue that we're hanging on to properties okay. for as long as we can to make the most amount of money we possibly can. OK, well, later on in the show, we'll talk to the opposition councillors and Hearts County Council, and we'll also be speaking to the county council. No, we won't. They refuse to come on and talk about it. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Just in 30 seconds, this mm. story you pointed out to us this morning, that hospitals uh, uh, want to ban smoking outside. It's a fascinating one, isn't it? I mean, later I'll be outside the, the L&D talking about this. I'll try and find an old man with a drip and a fag. I shall do that, but also the doctors and nurses. How often do you go to a hospital and you see them smoking? They're supposed to be, aren't they, in Setting an example. It's a bit like going to a, a fire station and seeing somebody playing with matches out the front or maybe a driving instructor driving down a motorway at 100 miles an hour. Doctors and nurses, for me, they should be banned from smoking outside uh, the hospitals. I, see, I'm, I feel like I'm a lone voice in this. I don't think necessarily doctors and nurses should be setting but, examples but to why people. Not? Because if you go to a hospital and there's something wrong with you, the first thing I'll ask is, are you a smoker? Yeah. Now, if a doctor or a nurse is saying that to you, they're out the front having a cigarette. It, it doesn't... It just doesn't seem right to me. Justin, go to the hospital, see what you can see, and speak to some people. 08459 455 555. They want to ban smoking outside hospitals. I think it's a little bit... Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Cruel. That's the word. Thank you. I wanted to say queer then. I thought, no, that's definitely not the word I want to say. Gosh. Gosh.
Well, if, if uh, your phone calls about this smoking will be anything like the conversations I'm having with my team, it's going to be fiery. Helen says, are they going to stop selling sweets, fizzy drinks and cakes to staff and patients to stop them getting fat? This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, four minutes past seven, Wednesday the 27th of November. The boys watched their first Christmas film last night. Oh, I was out, I missed it. They watched something, um, oh, uh, it had a reindeer in it, do you know the one? Catherine, you know the one, it had a reindeer in it. Rudolph? No, I mean, it was just, Kelly, it had a reindeer in it, um... Oh, is it the one, the Nick Park one? No, no, no. It had a reindeer in it. Was it a cartoon yeah, or a film Yeah, film yeah, or a cartoon? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cheap one. I think a lot of them have got reindeer in Justin Bieber sings um, a song on it. Rudolph? Uh, yeah. Anyway, they watched that. Loved it, apparently. Good for them. Well done. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including the latest figures from Public Health England suggest that Luton and Milton Keynes are HIV hotspots and 500 people in the three counties have it and don't even know. Does anybody get milk delivered anymore? Really? If you do, could you phone up and tell me why? And there's talk of banning smoking outside hospitals. I think I may be a lone voice in the wilderness here when I say, that's a little bit unfair. If you're in hospital, having something quite invasive done to you, you don't want to try and give up smoking then. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of Facebook comments uh, on the uh, smoking story. Truly says there are lots of these signs up in my local hospital. There have been for years now. Patients stand outside the doors, chuffing away, and no one stops them. So when the sign's already in place, are, pe- uh, are actually implemented, I might start thinking my local trust is doing something proactive. Declan says smoking tobacco shouldn't be encouraged by hospitals on or anywhere near hospitals because we all know the dangers and the damage that first-hand and second-hand smoke does to everyone. Rebecca, I work at a hospital where smoking is supposedly banned. The staff stand on the corner, which means I have to inhale their second-hand smoke every morning as I walk into the hospital grounds, and the patients blatantly ignore the signs. Well, I don't think you can ask patients to stop smoking while they're in hospital. They're not doing it inside, they're doing it outside. Fine. Hold your breath if you've got to walk in. Carol's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Carol. Would you like to see smoking banned outside hospitals? I think all of us know that smoking is bad for you, but anyone who has been a smoker, who is a smoker, it, it is... Well, it's very addictive. Of course it is. you say, the stress. Um, I mean, they do say no smoking in hospital grounds at Milton Keynes, but... They have, I mean, I can understand not smoking indoors, but they do have a smoking shelter um, oh. outside of Milton Keynes. And I think you find most hospitals, there are, there are shelters um, since they brought in the no smoking. Have you had cause to be in hospital recently, Carol? Not me, but I had, oh, my husband had cancer this year, um, which we discovered just before Christmas, and... He was in and out of hospital. They couldn't cure the cancer, but it was, you know, he was in and out of yeah. hospital as they helped him. 
and he actually went over to these the last two three months he went over to these um, e-cigarettes oh yes uh, which helped him in hospital i must admit i smoke i do smoke i don't smoke that many a day but i do smoke but i did find the stress of seeing my husband you know the way he was and particularly the last 24 hours the you needed that break and i know people will say oh it's weak you shouldn't smoke yeah i know all that and I will give up again. I had given up before. Well, it's but an addiction, isn't it? I, I, you're saying something addiction. I hadn't even considered, Carol, of course. I'm talking about the patients. But, of course, if you are visiting a loved one in hospital, particularly in the situation with your, uh, with your husband, it is stressful for the visitors. And, of course, if you're, if you're addicted to smoking, one way to relieve stress is to pop out and have a cigarette. It's not yeah. nice, but that's what you, if that's what you need to do to cope with that, then that's what you need to do. I mean, this is it, especially the last 24 hours. And I mean, where can... I know, but it's, it's all right you're saying, oh, don't have a cigarette. But if you want one, you know, fine, I'd go and sit in my car. If they really meant it, I'd have to sit in my car, but if anyone doesn't have a car, mm. how far away have they got to go? Because the stress is tremendous. Carol, I really appreciate your time this morning, and I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your husband. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to say. These yeah. things do happen. Of course they but, do. But, yeah, I mean, he did go over to these e-cigarettes. Did he smoke in the hospital with the e-cigarettes? Uh, he did have a... Cr- he, he, did. he had a crafty one. Uh, he did have a crafty Naughty. one, because there's no smoke. No, there's it's no smoke. It's that comes out. Carol, listen, we have to move on. I really appreciate your, your call this morning. I hadn't even considered uh, uh, how it would affect visitors of patients. 08459 555. Now, new figures from Public Health England suggest Luton and Milton Keynes are HIV hotspots. Luton's infection rates are... This is an incredible statistic. Almost three times the national average, and Milton Keynes isn't that far behind. There are concerns that members of the African community are dragging their heels when it comes to getting tested. But before you shrug your shoulders and say, oh, it couldn't happen to me, well, listen to this. There are over 2,500 people living with HIV across the three counties, uh, and it's thought that 500 more are infected and don't know it. John Pinart from uh, Hemel Hempstead was diagnosed HIV positive uh, in June this year. Morning, John. Good morning, Ian. John, what made you go for the test? Um, well, I get checked regularly, um, and I was due a test anyway, so I, I was tested negative in December last year, and I was due to go for one this year anyway, so that's what made me do it. I just regularly get checked. And were you expecting, you know, to, to get the, the, the thumbs up, the all clear again? Um, honestly, yes. <laughs> I was a little shocked when I got the, uh, the positive result. But uh, How did you find out? How did they tell you? Um, well, it's actually, I did it through, um, it was done as a postal test through the Terence Higgins Trust. Right. Um, basically, they send you a kit out, you do it, and you get your results back. Oh, um, haven't haven't things years. changed? That's incredible, yeah. I know, tell me about it. Um, I then got the phone, a phone call whilst I, whilst I was at work. Um, they called me, I answered it, they said they said who they were, told me the result, and I was in a bit of a daze, actually, honestly. I was just like, mm, what am I going to do now? Mm. <laughs> and you were at um, work when you found out? I was, yeah. Did you go back to work, or did you? Wh- how did you react? Um, well, I took five minutes after the call just to kind of compose myself, um, and then I went and spoke to one of my team leaders, kind of explain the situation to them and they were said like well you go home for the rest of the day go get yourself sorted and 
kind of do what you need to do and they've just been really supportive of it and when you uh, did, did it how long did it take to sink in that, that, that this was the case it's still sinking in i'll be honest right yeah <laughs> um it's but doing things like this obviously getting the message out is one of the things that's helping me come to terms with it because if i know i can help others then i'm helping myself at the same time there is still not much i don't think i'd like to think anyway but there there are still some uh, uh, members of the community who, who who kind of um they look down on hiv and aids you know have you experienced any prejudice around that um only once um not long after being diagnosed but those kind of it's for those people they're the ones i suppose things like this like the awareness and stuff it's we need to get them educated and kind of really on board and say look yes there was stigma back in the 80s but now it's it's not like it was so well, thank god we, we've lost phrase i remember the gay plague being uh, being bandied around you know thank god we've lost phrases uh, and, and and attitudes like that what, what can i ask what happened with this, this this person this prejudice you experienced um it was just kind of the the slander and the like being accused of spreading disease and stuff right. like that and it was just initially yes it was hurtful because it was just one of those things that i hadn't had to experience before mm. uh, so i was just kind of like okay how do i deal with this um but thankfully um heart aid uh based in watford and i believe where and stevenage um they've been on hand throughout this whole process for me and have been an absolute godsend so you feel you feel you've been there is support out there for you oh, and others. Very much so for yeah. anybody, friends, family. My my family and my friends are just such a great support network. Um, they initially family were hard to tell, but I'm with me and my family. We're kind of open with each other, so we 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 tell each other everything. So I felt and they must. Taken. I would imagine they must have felt very upset. Um, I don't know. They haven't expressed it to right. me, but they they they've just said to me that. If I need anybody, then they're going to be there for me. So, which is which is nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how they're feeling, but yes, I know when when uh, members of my family have told me that they, you know, they're suffering from whatever. There is there is uh, a, a certain empathy that goes out to that person. Yeah. Um, have you started treatment yet? Um, I am due to. Um, it's something that cropped up. I had a uh, a few blood results recently. One of them where my CD4 count had dropped. Um, significantly, um, and I had to have a retest just to make sure it was just an abnormal result. Mm. Um, it has risen back to normal, um, but I've taken the decision between me and my doctor to um, start them. Um, it's it's a number of reasons, things for things like peace of mind that I know I'm now managing it. Um, also, for any potential um, partners in the future that I know that if I'm on medication. I know then they're going to be at even lesser risk of mm. contracting it. John, I appreciate your open uh, openness and honesty, and uh, best of luck with uh, whatever decisions you choose to make. John Pineup from Hemel Hempstead, who was diagnosed HIV positive in June this year. Dennis in Luton. Morning, Dennis. Don't, I'm not in Luton, I'm in Dunstable. Oh, no, sorry, I meant Dennis in Luton. Morning, Dennis. Oh, good morning, boss. Well, so we've got two Dennises on the line. De- now, Dennis in Dunstable. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Dennis. Oh, okay. 
Hello, Dennis in Dunstable. Now, Dennis, I'm the miserable get from Dunstable. Boys, calm down. Calm down. Now, yeah. De- Dennis, you're a regular, aren't you? But Dennis, this is your first call. Uh, me. Well, uh, let's try that again. Dennis, you're a regular, but Dennis, this is your first time calling, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Excellent. Well, what would you like to talk about, Dennis's? Uh, about smoking in hospitals. Away oh, you go. Right. If you go inside the hospital and outside the hospital, it's got up there. It's a criminal offence to smoke inside the hospital and in the hospital grounds. So please tell me, like at Luton Hospital Hospital, why they put up smoking things against their own law. Hello? Hello. Yes, Dennis, did you hear that, Dennis? I did, yes, but he obviously is leaving you to make an idiot of yourself. Yeah, he like he does on you. Yes. Yeah, it's, you know, do you know who the, who the BBC di- uh, director is? You know, no. The main, main man, I'd write, I'd really No, I shouldn't know. go that far. There's some weird ones in BBC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apart from my, not my mate Justin or Kelly or no. Catherine, you know what I mean? Well, I'd, like to, I'd like to know how far outside hospital is outside. I mean, how is no, it? Yeah. Just it's walk the wall, up to the... It's the wall around... No, it's the wall around the, the whole hospital. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're not allowed... But on the path, path they can't stop you. No. But what I've rung up at that... As somebody else has said, Justin, where are these uh, doctors, where's these nurses, where's these ambulance drivers, where's the management who smoke going to smoke? They're going to go out on the path. Yeah. And are they going to stop the drinking where you get drinkers in there, throwing the cans all over the floor out, outside? What are they going to do with them? It's one great big cave up of this smoking, drinking. But, Dennis, yes. I have told um, three counties it before. In 97, a cancer surgeon said to me, if you've been smoking for more than 30 years, don't give up. Cut down, because it can cause more harm than good. Now, well, I've, ne- I've, never sm- I've never smoked, but I don't object to other people doing it. I mean, they don't object to me drinking, or they better not, because I should tell them where to go. This no. is right, Dennis. This is right, because I smoke, and I smoke from the age of 16. I won't smoke indoors, I'll smoke outside. I won't smoke in my car where I've got people in it, regardless if it's my family or anyone. And the thing is, it's, you know, all this smoke about smoking, where's, where's, um, where's the boss gone? Gone out for, outside for a fag, has he? With, with Justin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, well, it's not talking here, Dennis. Well, that's nice to find. There's another Dennis. Are you? I is your Dennis two ends or one end? Um, mine's two, Dennis. Is oh, I'm a one, I'm a one end, Dennis. Oh, is it? I'm an oh. Irish Dennis. Though where oh, you... I've got no yeah. Irish antecedents, so I don't know where it came from. But I'm a one end Dennis. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. That... I don't know. It's, it's also French as well, isn't it? I might have a French. Yeah, father, I'm I don't so... know. Well, the thing is, um, he takes the mickey out of the northern people. I know he does. Yeah, and, you know, I don't, when I was a lorry driver, I used to spend a lot of time up north, and they're more, the people up there are more considerate, more caring, and down the south. And I'm a south, southerner. So you've got my backing against the boss all the well, time. I'm, I'm more of a southerner now than I was a northerner. I left the north when I was 21, when I joined the Navy, and after that, I never yeah. went back. So I'm, a, I'm more of a southerner than he is. But I'm a southerner, and I'd rather be up north. Well, so, so I, but that's beside the point. Yeah, but, 
It's just nice to talk to you, Dennis, you know. Keep up um, Keep at it. We'll, I'll tell you what, we'll form, we'll form an agreement. You attack him from one side and I attack him from the other. You're the embassy. You're the embassy. Oh, no, it's that man Colin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's gone. As part of BBC Three Counties Big Tour, we visit a different town every week in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, and in Leighton Buzzard we met Fiona Peck, who's battling to maintain the traditional milk round. Eggington Dairy, based at Peck's Farm, is an independent, small family business run by Fiona, and she's not happy with supermarkets. There are, what, five big supermarkets in Leighton Buzzard, and... A lot of people now, instead of having their milk delivered, will get everything from the supermarket. It all depends on vehicle costs and f- fuel and running costs more than the product. The product actually is still very, very inexpensive. I mean, it's sort of 70p for a pint of milk. It's cheaper than a bottle of water. Yeah. Um, so, But it's the delivery cost, that, and that's what will probably see the demise of it eventually. Well, John Whitby is a, a, a dairy farmer in Wrexham in South Bucks. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. John, have you got any concerns about the state of the dairy industry, or has it survived the recent drop in price issues? Well, actually, they're fairly buoyant at the moment. I have to say it's a good news story about British agriculture, and the price of milk, to me, wholesale, has recovered somewhat. How tough has it been for dairy oh, farmers? Extremely tough. It's been, you know, lots of dairy farmers have thrown in the towel because they can't make... Uh, ends meet and it's only in the last few months as the supply has diminished that we've seen the price come back up again it's easy isn't it just to pop into your local uh, texaco garage or your esso garage and, and buy some pints of milk we don't seem to care where it comes from do we well, i think that um, there are some people who do care and a lot of interest in local food and local supply and provenance of their food and there is certainly an audience of a market for for this kind of product, uh, if you're willing to put the effort in. And how much effort is it? There's an work? awful lot of effort. It's an awful lot of yeah. effort just being a dairy farmer on your own without actually going out there and processing and uh, retailing the milk. So I would commend anyone who can do that uh, and as a great news story for British agriculture. Uh, how easy is it for farmers to diversify if, if part of their business comes under financial pressure? Well, it, it, uh, easy or not, it uh, becomes uh, crucial because, it, you know, we all uh, are all individual businesses and have to live from those businesses. And if we can make a success of, for example, retailing milk, then that's a great news story, isn't it? Uh, Fiona Peck, who we heard from, is uh, battling to maintain the traditional milk round. Uh, th- th- it's quite admirable, but it, it, the way society is changing, that, that's not sustainable, is it? Well, it's far be it for me to criticise. I, I would support anything, anybody who had initiative like that. Mm. Uh, and it's up to the customers to rally round and say, well, look, we support this idea. Uh, and uh, by, do, by doing so, they're supporting British agriculture. Uh, and how many of your, your friends and colleagues have you seen kind of jack it all in and go, it's just not worth it? Oh, oh quite a number. Yeah, I think there's about 200 uh, dairy farmers uh, uh, a year still leaving the industry uh, and that means that the production of milk in this country is is far less than it used to be um, and so we're still importing huge amounts of milk when i say milk i mean processed milk yeah. um, so lots of yogurts lots of cheese lots of butter all the big brand names are all br- they're not british products where, where are they coming from well all over europe uh, scandinavia ireland just th- just name a few brand names and you'll see wow I mean, I'm a, I'm a sad farmer. When I do go to the supermarket, I spend a lot of time looking at the country of origin mm. and trying to understand 
um, how, where, where they're all coming from and trying to prick British where I can. I guess we need some sort of incentive to, to, to make more people follow that. It, it, it is surprising, isn't it, with all the, the food coming from all over the world when we're quite, quite capable of producing the majority of it here in the UK. Indeed. I mean, but British farmers also would like to export. They export mm. quite a lot of food, so it works both ways. And this is an international market we live in. But there are people out there who like to know where their food comes from, who like to have local provenance. I'm not saying everybody can either afford to do that or can afford to do it all the time, but it's uh, certainly an option we want to keep open. John, I appreciate your time this morning. That's John Whitby. He's a dairy farmer from South Bucks. 08459 455555. I didn't expect a deluge of calls on this, but I expected one or two. Do you still get your milk delivered? And if so, why? Is it convenience? Is it tradition? I was speaking to an American friend who's lived over here for years. He gets his milk delivered because he finds it quaint. And he can afford it. He can afford to. That's the thing. He's quite well off. He finds it quaint, the milkman coming around the little float in the morning. I get mine delivered. Do you? Yeah, it stops me going in the supermarket and buying lots of extra things. It's expensive, though, isn't it? No, not really. I don't think so. It's more. Uh, it's convenience more than anything else. I tell you where it is expensive, and I've just mentioned petrol stations. Petrol stations, it's like... I bought four pints of milk this morning to come in. I bought it from a uh, corner shop around the corner. Um, and it was £1.30 for four pints, OK? That, in a petrol station, will cost you £2.50. It's almost double. And I only recently realised that, because you buy... If I'm buying petrol, I'll get a couple of pints of milk as well. And I, don't, I don't really look at the price. And I looked at it the other day and went, are you, So are you sure this is this much? Mm. Crazy. Well, for me, it's the comparative thing of, I won't go in the supermarket and buy extra things, so it works out more expensive, even though the milk's cheaper. Do you have a relationship with your milkman? Uh, I haven't... Uh, he's my pen friend. I don't actually see him. Do you never see him? You never no, speak to him? Notes, though. He's very good with notes. Mm, OK, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Well, Catherine Boyle is rather unsurprisingly living in the olden days, but is anybody else uh, uh, out there doing that? Do you get milk delivered? I like the idea of it, but... I need a lot of milk. My boys guzzle that stuff down like there ain't no tomorrow. We are seriously considering getting a cow. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, You can give us a call about any of the things we're talking about uh, this morning. But the the thing that's got you the most... We will talk more about having your milk delivered. I don't think there's anybody listening to this who has their milk delivered. Here's the thing, here's the thing. I did jokingly say, well, thinking of getting a cow. Of course we're not. But people have hens, don't they, in their back gardens. People have chickens in their back gardens and they get the eggs and then they slaughter the chickens. They break its neck, they wring its neck and they pluck it and they cook it. Has anybody got a cow in their back garden? Or a goat? You can get milk from a goat. Can you, here's a question, can you milk a cat? Can you? I think you, you might... I'd like to see you try. They don't like it, I imagine. Well, no, you'd, you'd have to have... what poses a, a kitten. You'd have to have a tame one. <laughs> but you, prob- you, you can probably milk anything, can't you? Well, you could, I imagine. Yeah? But whether you could, I wouldn't like to try with a cat. Okay, what do you, you reckon? I think we should try and milk you. So, um, I, is there anybody out there... You can milk anything, can't you? Is there anybody out there that's got a cow or a goat in their back garden? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. I bet there's. I bet there probably is. 
Knowing you lot, knowing you bonkers lot out there, yeah, probably. Uh, oh, His Majesty, the King of Bedfordshire, Jay, has called in. When, whenever we have to speak to Jay or, or talk about him, we have to stand up and salute Your Majesty. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, we're, we're giving away ambassadorships to all the towns and villages throughout Beds, Hearts and Bucks, and also king and queenships. Bedfordshire has been claimed by His Majesty King Jay I. So Bucks and Hearts are, are, are up for grabs. But... If you want to challenge King Jay to a duel, then you can do. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, the telephone number. Oh, have we got a caller? Oh, let's go to um, uh, Jeffrey. We'll come to you in a second. Let's go to Joyce in Leegrave. Good morning, Joyce. Oh, good morning. You've not got a cow, have you? <laughs> you wish. <laughs> I do wish. I do wish. Every night, every night before I go to bed and I say my prayers, uh, I pr- the last prayer is, and please let Joyce in Leegrave have a cow. <laughs> please. Would you like one? We used to milk the cows in Wales. Oh, it was really funny. Never mind. You just go all the way to Wales to milk cows. I can't put- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite a long way, isn't it? Um, my, uh, so, sorry, I've just got the phone the right hand the wrong way around. What do you mean, what um, do you mean hang on, what do you mean you've got the phone the wrong hand the wrong way around? Well, I picked it up rather quickly, you said it wasn't quite right. Oh, okay. Which ear do you have, uh, do you hold the phone to? To my left ear. Isn't it interesting? I do the same thing. I, I start the, I start dialing on the right when I'm listening to the dial, I'm listening <laughs> on the right. Then when I think they're about to answer, I swap to the left. I can't do it. To the right. Put the phone to your right ear and let's try this conversation with your phone on the, on, on the wrong ear. And I can't do that. I feel I feel peculiar. It's go, go on, try it. Try it. It's like okay, it's like I'm uh, doing it now. Patting your head and rubbing your stomach, isn't it? It's not the same. No, it's, it's it feels weird, doesn't it? It does actually. Why is that then? I don't know. It's got to be. It's got. Our, can we get a, a brain man on? It, it's got to be our brain's hemispheres. <laughs> Right, probably. No, I'm out of I'll right. take your word for yeah, it. Please do, Joyce. My, my word is gospel. Okay. Now, what do you want? Now then, my sister's daughter picks up milk uh, up in Birmingham way, up that way, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. from the actual farms, uh, takes the numbers from behind their ears, the cow's ears, what? and marks it all down, all recorded. This is the way they do it. And then she takes the samples... Takes a uh, cow sample. The samples of the cow's milk. Right. And she writes the numbers from the ears so they know exactly that's yours, that's yours, that's yours. And they get it all tested. Who is this who does this? Your sister? My sister's daughter. What a strange woman. Okay. No, she loves it. She loves animals. And the thing being then, uh, she told me, she said, Auntie Joyce, she said, when you see the English flag on the left-hand side of your milk, yes, right, yeah. you automatically think, oh, I'll have that, that's English. Yeah. She said it's not. Uh, what? It's just packaged uh. and done the flag, or union flag, the uh. Uh, union jack there. Look to the right. Oh, yeah. Look across then to the right, and there should yeah. be a little ram logo or a little cow's head. We've got some milk. We've got some milk here next to Kelly Bates. Can you get that milk, Kelly? Uh, and let's have a look. So tell Kelly what what she's looking for. Right. If there's a Union Jack on it. Yeah. Right. Go to look to the right. No. How's it? We failed at the first. There's, there's no Union Jack. Ours has got. I think that's the Romanian flag on there. No. No, no flags. No flags. No flags. Okay. Did he just say it's from well, Southampton? Oh, oh, really? Well, look, look when you're down in the shops. Look for oh. long life milk yes. for a start, oh. and look on the bottles of the cartons and things there. But do look because the the flag I, is only because it's actually not I'm English milk. Still trying to work out, Joyce, your um, sister's daughter, and we've just had uh, Karen. Yeah. Karen, yeah, we've uh, yes, say, and we've just had confirmation from the laboratory that does actually make her your niece. Yes, it does. Why is she writing down cows' ears numbers? 
Oh, they have to do that because if the cows have infections or something wrong with the milk, right? They're, they're very, I, very careful. Is she a farmer? No, no, she works for the milk uh, board. Oh, oh, okay, right. So she's it's not just a hot, it's not like collecting, uh, you know, spotting aeroplanes. <laughs> no, no, it's, no. Okay, it's, it's fine. It's a, it's a job. Can you milk a cat? Milk a cat? Yeah. No, I don't know what you're on about, Ian. Well, get, get milk m- a cat? Yeah, get cat, get milk from a cat. No. You must be able to. <laughs> How do the kittens drink? You try it and let me know. Yeah, I know, I know. I, they, well, they know, don't they? It's nature. If we have any vets listening, surely sometimes they get orphaned kittens and maybe they have a spare cat. Yeah. Like a wet cat? Like a wet cat. <laughs> it might, might be a wet cat. If you know about wet cats, can you give us a call, please? <laughs> Coming now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye, Joyce. Joyce has decided to bail out of that conversation. I think she, I think she decided about five minutes too late, in all fairness. Thank you very much, Joyce. 08459 You can't, You can milk anything. Pretty much. I'm sure you can. I don't want to go off too, too bizarre a tangent at this time of the morning. For goodness sake, we've got a whole day ahead of ours. But surely you can milk a cat. I wonder what cat's milk tastes like. Um, t- some texts here, 81333, starting the text 3CR. Uh, Shirley says, I've stopped having my milk delivered. Oh, because it kept getting stolen off the doorstep. Here's an interesting thing, isn't it? And I've often thought this. We are very trusting as British people. Because if you see a pint of milk on a doorstep and a newspaper sticking out of the, the letterbox, no one takes it, do they? No one takes it. You kind of just go, oh, there's, uh, there's a pint of milk, I won't have that. I don't think people would take it, would they? Well, Kelly Betts is, is looking like she probably would. A pint of what? Milk. Why do you say milk? I don't say milk, I say milk. You said milk. No. Ian, I used to have milk delivered by Ian the Milk from neighbouring Castlethorpe with his famous very thick-lensed glasses until he packed it in. Replaced by a larger company, so I gave up them. Math and Hanslope. And, um... Uh, I have a one pint a week... To, Oh dear, I have one pint a week to keep my milkman in work. He comes out in all weathers. You're delivering your milk. It's only a pint, for goodness sake. His name is Mick Pierce. All right, Mick. <laughs> he must be fit. One pint of milk a week. Milk a week. What's, uh, that's ridiculous. 08459 455 555. Should have a look at the front page of the newspapers? Oh, there's stories. There's, oh, no, look, Jeffrey's. Uh, Jeffrey, I do apologise. Sorry, Jeffrey. You're, you're in Windsor. You've called in about smoking. Well, yes, um, yes. The milk of human kindness obviously doesn't flow through the NHS when you've got dictatorial, professorial uh, people pontificating in a really dictatorship type type of way what people can do with their own lives. That's not what the NHS was formed for. It was formed to serve the needs of people uh, who pay for it because they milk us of our money every week with something called the national insurance. Well, they're, 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 they're creaming off the top, aren't they? They, they are. They're buttering they're- us up. <laughs> and then they're putting yoghurt on us. Can you take a quick joke about the milk? Um, Max, I'd rather Max, you didn't. Max Bygraves, Prince of Wales Theatre, 1965. Two bottles on the doorstop. One says, I feel fresh. The other one says, hard luck, I'm sterilised. I still remember it from all these years ago. But as I said... Max Bygraves was obsessed with um, the personification of uh, um, implements that couldn't move on their own and them, uh, and them having relationships. Milk bottles, toothbrushes, him and his wife. <laughs> he never stopped. <laughs> Well, you need about, but he also knew about gender differentiation because there was a pink blush, toothbrush and a blue toothbrush. Yes. 
Yes, I, I blame Max Brygraves for setting back women's lib by about 60 years and comedy by about 100. But, Geoffrey, the thing about the NHS saying this, saying you can't smoke outside hospitals, OK? Yeah, it's, not, it's, it's about two people hello? in the NHS. Sorry? It's, it's hello? about two hello? people. Hello, I was, do- I was doing the sentence. Uh, Sorry. But, but, but it, it's, it's their... While I, while I don't agree with it, it's their property, isn't it? So they are allowed no, to say... No, it isn't, it isn't. What, it's, who, uh, it's owned by the nation. Oh, you pinko. There's a red under the bed and it's called Geoffrey. Are you no, sh- no, no, it's no, not no. how it works, Geoffrey. Well, it's uh, how it should work. Well, it's how it should work, but it's not how it works. It's their hospital, and if they want to say no smoking in my property, you come round to my house, Geoffrey. Don't smoke on my uh, don't smoke on my doorstep. Well, get off my property. property. That's private property. The thing is, it's collectively owned by the nation. Well, then let's all go if and drink kestrel in the toilets and shoot up in the hallways <laughs> and, and smoke uh, big fat cigars in the canteen. If that's but, the yeah, but they do that anyway because there's something called um, the heroin rehabilitation project, which <laughs> gives which gives people. Eighteen thousand pounds worth of a heroin substitute every every year, and that's deemed to be good. It, uh, well, listen, if we're trying to uh, attempt to save young people or uh, people of any age who have a disease, then yes, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but we're going off on a tangent. No, 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 we're, talk- we're talking about health policy, one which encourages heroin use or its substitute, the other one which demonises smokers. Which is legal. Which is legal, Jeffrey. If you if you if you think <laughs> if you think uh, talking about methadone replacement prescriptions yeah. is not going off on a tangent when we're talking about smoking Benson, when we're talking about smoking Benson and Hedges outside no. the front door of a hospital, then you're <laughs> more of a madman than people around the office have been no. sailing, saying. No, 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 no. The National Institute of Clinical Excellence is the nation's health policy. One one element of which is about smoking. Another element of which is about heroin policy or cannabis policy. They're not tackling it at all. Jeffrey, I've, I've literally have no response to the nonsense that's <laughs> falling out of your mouth today. It's not nonsense. It's not nonsense. There's broad general policies and then specific. You want to talk about specific, but I'm saying it's part of a broad, broad general policy. I have one... Jeffrey, I have one question for you. Yeah, go on. Can you milk a cat? Yes, of course you can. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 double five. He does. Catherine just came in my ear. He sounds like he's done it. He does. He's, he's got the evidence to prove it. Um, smoking outside hospitals, they want to ban it. I, th- I think it's a little bit harsh. Um, who's this? David, ex-smoker over 40 years. Smoking. You kidding, Ian? Hospital should be the best place to stop and should not be allowed. Looking for an idiot on a drip? Seriously, you plonker, colon, zero, close bracket. Oh, hang on, that's a smiley face with a big nose. <laughs> How did you do that? That's brilliant. Thank you for that, David. I didn't know you could um, make faces out of punctuation like that. I do think, I seriously think, if you're having invasive surgery uh, or, or you're alone in hospital, it's not nice being in hospital. It's thoroughly unpleasant. You're there because you're not well. Yes, of course, of course, in an ideal world, you wouldn't be a smoker. But giving up smoking, which is a stressful, unpleasant experience as it is, giving up whilst you're already in a stressful, unpleasant situation... That's not the right time to do it. You won't, the odds are you won't give up smoking and you'll make yourself worse. And Sharon says, uh, even worse, when I was visiting my mum in the hospice, the nurses used to stand outside the front door smoking and I thought that seemed really off. 08459 555 BBC Three Counties Radio, the only, the only uh, BBC local radio station this morning, I think, asking the questions that matter, including, can you milk a cat? Uh, on uh, Facebook, Henry says, I think you can milk a cat, but you need a very low stool. 
08459 455 555. So hospitals want to ban smoking outside of them. I think most of you are saying, yeah, good idea. Horrible that you can smoke outside hospitals. Well, smoking is horrible. It's thoroughly unpleasant. Not nice at all. But, 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 but. Just think about this, okay? You're in hospital and you're having your leg fixed. Okay, horrible experience, not very nice, painful. You're in there for a while, you're bored, you're lonely. You're going nuts. Would you really begrudge that person popping outside for a quick fag? Would you? Really? Giving up whilst in hospital has got to be the worst time to do it. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Lots of you having your say on facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. We'll have a little look at that uh, a bit later on. Now, Hertfordshire County Council has been accused of spending at least one and a half million pounds protecting empty properties in the last three years. The single largest amount which was used to secure the vacant Bill Everett Centre in Watford. Uh, Justin Dealey has been looking into this. Justin, what, what's going on here? Hello, Ian. Well, uh, we know that over £281,000 has been spent guarding the centre you're talking about since it closed in 2009. Uh, it's now a new housing development, but uh, there was a delay in what the area should be used for. For example, a new school was one idea. So in August this year, it was agreed to knock it down at a cost of £110,000. So, with my calculator here at the ready, the cost in total of the security fencing a 24-hour security presence has totaled just shy of four hundred thousand pounds for an empty building in wowzers that's mm. quite a lot of money isn't it it's uh, a lot of money you've been speaking to residents are they jumping around with joy <laughs> that the council are spending this money in this way or uh, are they a little bit upset not at all no. um i've been talking to residents in leggett's way in watford about the cost and here's what happened colin is a local as we can see here, it's all yeah. secure still. How much do you think Hertfordshire County Council have paid to keep this area secure since 2009? Take a wild guess. Oh. 10, 15,000. Keep going. A bit more than that. Yep. Oh. Uh, 20. Keep going. 30. 280,000 pounds of taxpayers' money. That's bad, really, isn't it? Could have spent that on something else. I mean, the centre itself, did you ever use the Bill Everett Centre here? Um, not myself personally, no. But I have seen this like this for quite a while. Uh, the security here as well, so... It's quite a weird yeah. setup though, because we can see new properties there, but we can still see parts of the old leisure centre there. It's, it just looks a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit mixed and matched at the moment, isn't it? Um, there's loads of new flats there, and there's some more over there, so... Uh, when they get round to finishing it and we see it... You know, should be lovely, but... Hundreds of thousands, probably. £280,000. It's a bit of a waste, when they could be doing something with it. What would you spend that money on locally? Maybe more leisure. I mean, I know it used to be a swimming pool around there, so and there's nothing sort of close by for people around here. Um, maybe a college. Complete and utter waste of money, then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> James, the Bill Everett Centre, which is at the bottom of this road, has been derelict since 2009. Now, Hertfordshire County Council have been paying to, to keep that area secure. How much do you think that has cost? Probably 100000 280000 Crazy. 
And this isn't the only costs the council has spent on security of empty properties, is it, Just? Uh, no, quite a few others as well. Um, to, to give you some examples here, Ian, £212,000, that's been spent on Sunnybank School in Hatfield. Nearly £83,000, that's been spent on Martindale School in Hemel. That's due to be sold a bit like Sunnybank. Now, the council tells us that it would be irresponsible not to keep their sites and properties secure. They also say as well that they have held on to property for a number of years, and uh, here's a quote for you, because this is in the best interests of the taxpayer. So despite the Bill Everett Centre in total costing, what, £400,000 of taxpayers' money, they would say, in actual fact, holding on to property since 2009, we can potentially get the best possible price now. That's why we've sold it on. So in the long run, that will be better for the taxpayer. Justin, thank you very much uh, indeed. Well, uh, to defend that and to tell us why it is better for the taxpayer is Hertfordshire County Council, uh, Councillor Derek Ashley. Oh no, hang on, he doesn't want to come on and tell us why it's better for the taxpayer. He's the councillor in charge of property and he said he had nothing to add to the information they provided us. Terrible. Well, Stephen Giles Medhurst is the leader of the opposition at Hearts County Council and a Lib Dem councillor in Leavesden, close to this centre. Stephen, what's your reaction to the, the amounts of money that are being spent protecting empty buildings that are ultimately going to be knocked down? I actually think it's quite disgraceful, uh, frankly. Uh, if they were going to knock the building down, they could have done that four years ago and save both on security costs. And also, I've now found out they spent £200,000 on what are called running costs for empty buildings, utility bills, rates, electricity. Now, at the very least, that would have been saved, and that's on top of the 400000 of course, you've just mentioned. We're being told that they're holding on to these uh, properties because it's, it's financially prudent and it's, quotes in the best interests of the taxpayers. Well, in some cases, it may be to, right to hold on to properties and then dispose of them for development to maximise the yield for the council taxpayer. But if you've got an empty building, and this was a college and was a leisure centre, this could have been open to the public for four years, free of charge to community groups who are desperate in need of premises. That would have reduced security costs. That reduced your running costs. And then it would have been beneficial. But actually, to, to dilly-dally uh, over making a decision what to do with the site until just recently, you know, four and a half years later, is quite disgraceful. Uh, and the waste of money, when we're desperately needing to sa- make savings across the County Council, cannot be defended. Hertfordshire County Council in general, and, and uh, the councillor in charge of property, Derek Ashley, specifically, they don't want to, t- they don't, don't want to talk to us. Uh, have they said anything to you? Well, I asked questions at the full council uh, yesterday. I think they were actually quite embarrassed. I suspect most of the Conservative Council had no idea that in two and a half years, since 2010, they've spent 1.5 million on about 20 empty property sites across the county. I've now asked for detailed costs when every, every single one of these sites became vacant, because some of them go back actually far longer to 2003 in one case. Uh, what the costs have been for each and every one of these sites, plus the utility bill. Sorry, Stephen, are you, are you saying that, that one of the properties has been vacant for ten, over 10 years? Yes, I am, yes. Which one's that? Uh, the Fleetville Kitchen site in St Albans. Vacant for ten years, and the council are paying to protect it and, and various utility bills and things? Uh, th- well, I've yet to find the, okay. uh, the answer for the utility bills, but certainly on the schedule I've been given of the vacant site, wow. that's one of them. Well, Stephen, when you do, find, we'll, we'll also put in a couple of calls, but if you do find out how much um, th- that's cost, we'd be very keen uh, to hear about that. I- is this is a problem specific to Hertfordshire County Council, or in, in fairness, does this kind of thing happen all over the country? Oh, it's fair to say, I think, you know, um, local authorities will keep hold of vacant sites because they might need them for future developments. 
but I think the issue here, particularly for the Bill Everett site, 80 odd thousand pounds a year on security costs. Now, that is a huge amount of money. Now, if there was problems with the buildings and antisocial behaviour, and they weren't ever going to use the buildings again, why didn't they demolish them back in 2009? Equally, the question must be, I know they were approached by the property developer of Legos Green, which is the housing development you've just seen that's next to the site, for housing back then. Now, they could have made money then and put, re- put that back into the community by selling the site. They're now looking at selling the site for residential development, not a school. So they have been shilly-shallying around as to what to do with this site for, for nigh on five years, and that's not good enough. Stephen Giles Medhurst, appreciate your time this morning. Leader of the Opposition at Hearts County Council, Lib Dem Councillor and Leaves, and also appreciate your use of the phrase shilly-shallying. doesn't get used often enough. Thank you very much for that. Try and use that phrase uh, in your vocabulary today, if you can. Oh, stop shilly-shallying around and give me my latte. <laughs> How middle class is that? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR on the subject of smoking outside hospitals. Phil has texted, I think that smoking outside hospitals should be allowed if only as a deterrent against smoking. I spent nine weeks visiting my dad in hospital this summer and some of the people I saw puffing away next to the no smoking signs made me glad I don't smoke. Gavin in Luton. All the smokers moaning. Set an example for the children. A man up for a while. I have a gambling addiction. Can I justify setting up a poker table outside just to sort of fix? Get a grip. Um, oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. It is hard, isn't it? And, and so, uh, I appreciate you if you do have a gambling addiction, uh, Gavin, just how devastating that can be. But, but smoking addiction is slightly different, isn't it? It's, it's slightly different in that you can carry the smoking addiction in your back pocket. Although saying that, with, with mobile phones, you can carry a gambling addiction around. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're coming to towns and villages all across our counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. I would say it's a vibrant small market town. There's a twang in the accent. Didn't expect that. Uh, really didn't. It's almost an eastern road country. All this week in Leighton Buzzard. I've lived it all my life. I'm a proper Leightonian. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Four minutes past eight. Oh, it's dark and wet and miserable and grey out there. Wonderful because of it. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including milk rounds are dying out and huge multinational supermarket chains. Dairy farmers are blaming you. They're livid. We'll hear more from them in a little bit. There's also talk of banning smoking outside hospitals. Well, I can see the logic behind it, but really? I would imagine giving up outside a hospital is is perhaps one of the most... Giving up whilst you're in hospital is one of the most stressful things you can do. Let people puff away. And there's something wonderfully British, isn't there, about seeing an old man on a wheelchair with a drip in his arm smoking a fag. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
John's in Luton. Good morning, John. Good morning, Bosch. John, what can I do for you? I've been on the radio this morning, and I went down the shop. I bumped into a lady, a nurse. What radio are you on? Um, <laughs> freak out is okay. Who talking to my mate Dennis? No, 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 no. no. I remember that. that. That wasn't. No, John, you're confused. That was Dennis in Luton. Oh yeah, sorry. Well, I was told to say um, I'm John. Sorry, I was told to say I was John. By so, whom? Uh, lovely, lovely Kelly. Well, hang on a second. I'm very confused. Why? This is the BBC. We can't have people phoning up, pretending to be other people. This is how careers are ruined and stations are closed. Why would Kelly, Dennis, tell you not to use your real name and to pretend you're John? Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. You have to ask Kelly that. Okay, we'll ask Kelly that. Kelly? John? <laughs> Why did you not, ask Dennis? Is it not John? This is Dennis. This is Dennis? What Wait, is let, go- let's, let's call his name and see what he answers to. Dennis? John? Yeah, yes, Kelly. Right, so what is your real name, sir? Dave. <gasps> Which, hang on, what? What's your real name? Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, we'll call you Dennis. Yeah, okay, John. Yeah, okay, I, boss. I just can't allow you... I, we cannot allow people to come on using fake names, uh, no, okay. John. Okay, otherwise, boss. It just... With the, seriously, BBC, we, we have standards, so... Yeah, but I'll keep... I'll keep... Uh, hang on, Dennis. Can yeah, you yeah. hurry up with this, because Melvin Bragg's waiting. Oh, okay, right, sorry. <laughs> Melvin, okay. Melvin, be with you in a second. Okay. There we go. It really is Melvin Bragg as well. How cool is that? But please, people, just to say, this is this is actually very, very serious. We are the BBC, and, and since the whole Saxgate thing and, and various other investigations, we cannot have people coming on the air using fake names. So, no, Dennis, okay. Dennis in Luton. Good morning, Dennis. Right, good morning, boss. Yes, sir. Right, I was talking to a lady this morning. Good for you. Uh, it's a, a nurse. Oh, and she heard better. Me on the, she heard me on the radio this morning talking yes. about hospitals and smoking in the grounds of the hospitals yes which is a criminal offense actually until you get out onto the path yeah the reason is they put up the smoking at luton dunsville hospital too is because so patients the patients could go out into those smoking places yeah although the although the lnd are breaking the law by allowing people to smoke, regardless of patients. But the, she said to me, if the patient goes out onto the public path to have a cigarette, yeah. they discharge themselves. It's, it's, it's odd, isn't it, Dennis? Be- uh, because when you phoned up earlier on, this was the point you were trying to make, and yet now you claim within the last um, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, that you've spoken to a nurse. No, because I went down the shop. I was indoors at that time. Right, and so I you've spoken to a nurse in the last 50 minutes, have you? No. No, in the last 20 minutes, I've just, just come back in, and I was talking to a journalist on the radio. What was this nurse's name? No, no, I'm not going to say no names. Well, can you not think of one quick enough? No, 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 but, um... Okay. Well, like, you see, he left me with talking to my mate Dennis, the ambassador of Dunstable, and is he... It, no, Dennis didn't get that gig. In, oh, fact, Dennis, in fact, Dennis in Dunstable has got, has got two more days to present his documents to the ambassador of Dunstable, otherwise, he's out! <laughs> well, I, I want to be ambassador for Lee, Lee Grave. Uh, well, Dennis, you like, put your name on the list and we'll get back to you. But the, the thing is, with your um, the past history of, of using fake names, John, Dennis, who is this fella? Dennis, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Melvin Bragg's on the line. Good morning, Melvin. Good morning. Melvin, you'd like, it says on my screen, you'd like to correct the news. 
Well, yeah, yes, <coughs> I would. Following on the Gretel and Gretchen. Oh, yes, for those who don't remember, yesterday. Melvin caught up yesterday. He was uh, furious that Kelly Betts said she'd been in the production of The Sound of Music and played Gretel. Well, he phoned up and said, no, 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 it's Gretchen. Well, the, the, the furore that that created, Melvin, the phones, we literally had to answer three or four phone calls about that. Well, you, I'm pleased that it did generate some form of response. But you, So you were wrong then, and you've called back. It's round two of Melvin versus BBC Three Counties Radio. Go on. Yeah, well, Jane on the news referred to Chelsea losing a Champions League game to Basel. Now, I do travel a bit around Europe, and I've never come across Basel. There's, there's Baal or Basel. Yes. But now we've in, the BBC have invented Basel. Okay, okay. Just wonder, do you still have a pronunciation unit at the BBC? We do, but unfortunately, uh, the, the phone number goes straight to Catherine's mobile, so it's not much use. Yeah, well, well J- J- I hope Jane's listening upstairs. I'm sure. Yes, uh, well done for pointing that out, Melvin. But, 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 Thank but, you. let's be honest. You might, have you been fuming for the last twenty-four hours since since um, we we outed you as not knowing your sound of music as well as you thought? I I still believe that I was correct. But... <laughs> In the face. It, despite all of the facts, I tell you what, Melvin. Listen, I, I'm enjoying this. Can we have you? Can we th- sort of have you as an independent monitor to monitor the output of, of this show in particular? And when we do make a mistake, would you, would you call in and correct us? It, it would be a full time job, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> How rude! <laughs> Melvin Bragg! I love it. Thank you, Melvin. You're a good sport. Can I just say, most of you are good sports this morning, and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Thank you. It will be a full-time job. 08459 455 555. On the subject of smoking outside hospitals. Glenn from Leighton Buzzer. Morning, Glenn. Morning, Ian. Glenn, what can I do for you? Well, it's about the smoking. Um, I'll tell you what gets my back up, is when you go to a restaurant and you have to cut through the crowd of people that are smoking straight outside the restaurant door. Because every time that door opens, in comes a waft of smoke. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, Glenn. I, I, I think it's, it, it's pretty poor. But do you not feel a little bit sorry for smokers? They have, to, saw, they I, have I, to stand out in the cold, they're ostracised. Well, they should pack up then. As you, I did. I, I was about, I was, yes, I thought so. An ex smoker. How long ago did you give up? Four years. How did I you just stop? You just stopped, did you? But I had to eat a lot of Cadbury's caramel cream eggs to take away the craving. Oh, cream eggs. Are you are you a bit of a fatty now then? I am a bit, yeah. yeah. Well, they're good. They're good for you. But I feel I feel a lot better from not uh, smoking. Now. Oh, definitely. I, I gave up smoking. Uh, it will be um, nine years in February, and it, it was one yeah. of the best things uh, I, I ever did. But it was it was hard work. I found it hard to start yeah. with. Easy now, but um, I feel sorry for smokers, Glenn. And let, be, being completely honest. Part I don't go into pubs very often nowadays, but part of me misses being in a smoky pub. I wish there were still some smoky pubs and some smoky restaurants you could go in to get the full ambiance of a Friday night out. I will actually work part-time in a pub, and I don't miss it now, because you have to go around the ashtrays and yep. clean them all out, and then you've got to clean them after, and, and there are inconsiderate people who stub their cigarettes out on the carpets and stuff like that, and... So, no, a restaurant should be clean of, of smoke. I'm sorry I'm going to upset a few people. But when I was a smoker, I never smoked in a restaurant when there was people around. Glenn, thank you very much. I remember... I've seen that. We'll go down in a second. I remember smoking in between courses in a restaurant. Oh, do you not think... 
got some breaking news. I'll just just get to that in a second. But do you not think that um, you, at some bars and some restaurants they should be encur- welcoming smokers, and you, then you then make the choice if you want to go and, and eat there, drink there, work there. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're getting a word of a gas explosion in Bletchley. Uh, Gerlock Avenue has been evacuated, and an elderly woman is in hospital. Uh, more on this as we get it. If you are in that area. Uh, maybe you live in that street or you live just around the corner from it. Could you give us a call and let us know what you, you've heard and what you can see? This is the great thing about doing uh, local radio like this is because we, you can get there quicker than, than we ever can. And we will be sending people over there, of course. But if you live in that area, could you give me a call? 08459 455555. Uh, we are hearing word of a gas explosion in Bletchley. Uh, Gerlock Avenue has been evacuated and an elderly woman is in hospital. If you know any more details or you live nearby or, or maybe you heard something, give us a call uh, and let us know. 08459 555555. In instances like this that uh, BBC Three Counties Radio really shines because we have reporters everywhere. Those reporters are you. It's an unpaid position. But um, you'll be uh, helping the community uh, no end. On the subject of smoking, on Facebook, uh, hospitals want to ban smoking outside of of their property. Uh, James says, ridiculous and unenforceable as demonstrated by hospitals everywhere every day. If the government had the balls to make smoking illegal, then fair enough. But it's easier just to persecute a minority and whinge about them choosing to partake in illegal activity. Jenny says, from Action on Smoking and Health Research commissioned by Ash in 2010 has shown that the cost of the NHS of treating diseases caused by smoking is approximately £2.7 billion. The Treasury earned £9.5 billion from tobacco duties in the financial year, excluding VAT. Do you feel sorry for smokers? Is it time to feel sorry for them? Oh, I pity the poor fools stood outside restaurants late at night, shivering. Stood outside pubs. They do get longer breaks at work. They get fag breaks. And uh, they've, the, the scientists have calculated that the average smoker takes off six months a year due to popping out for, for cigarette breaks. I've made that figure up, but it could be. Why not? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Do you feel sorry for smokers? Look at you, flush from the success of your live concert last night. <laughs> Did you get a chance to do any singing in the end? Did you need to get no. your, your keyboard out? <laughs> no, I didn't have to do the uh, okay. singing. I didn't even bring my keyboard. Oh, here. that's a real shame. It's what people would have wanted. You, you, it was your taser special live <laughs> last night in Luton. It was, did, yes. First question, did people turn up? Because <laughs> yeah. that's always the worry, isn't it? It's always the worry when you do these kind of things. <laughs> they did, they did, yes. And it went well? It did, it did go very well, yes. Okay. For people who didn't turn up, you'll uh, you'll get to hear it on the show before Christmas. I'm looking forward to hearing really? it. Really? Immensely, yes. I was just disappointed because the, the anti-taser lawyer, Sophie Kahn, yeah. who I've had run-ins with oh, good, in the past. Wonderful run-ins, yes. Uh, she turned up, and it was the first time I'd ever met her. Yeah. She was so nice. She was really nice. She bought me a, a card. She gave me a Michael Bublé CD. <laughs> she said, I bought you a present. I said, I don't accept bribes. She said, no, no, but I know you like Michael Bublé. Aww. So she gave me a Michael Bublé CD. And she was so sweet. So, of course, when you meet someone yeah. and they're really nice. It's quite disarming. It, uh, yeah, very much so. Mm. So, uh, I, I mean, I still gave her a good going over, but uh, not not quite as much as perhaps I'd thought I would. Well, well, that's very clever of her, her then. That's, uh, it was good. What, do we know when this is going to be broadcast? Or is this a top secret date, something to put in to look forward to? Uh, well, I mean, 
I could lie and say it's top secret. Uh, we'll do it when we've edited it. <laughs> it's the rest. Re- <laughs> oh, you just ruined all the mistake. You've totally just, not just drawn the curtain, you've ripped the curtain down. We, and- we've got a lot of editing to do, okay. but as soon as we have, we've got it all ready for broadcast. Was it a bit blue last night, a bit raunchy? We'll, uh, no, oh. but it did get feisty in some parts. Really? Yes. One gentleman Fantastic. in the audience who said he'd had a machete pulled out on him, he was anti-taser. Couldn't quite work that one out. Fantastic. Uh, I look forward to that. I'm glad it went well. Well done. What's on the show today? Well, been interested in your smoking discussion you've been having this morning. Uh, On the big phone in this morning at nine, I'm going to ask, have we become too uptight about smoking Mm. in this country? The health regulator, NICE, has told the NHS they want smoking shelters scrapped outside hospitals to stop people lighting up. They want nurses to... uh, stop helping patients out of their beds to go for a smoke and they say staff caught smoking should be disciplined do you know when i think back to when i was a smoker Mm. there i had an operation once on the bottom i'll tell you about it another time please don't but uh i went down i was still hooked up to the drip and of course first thing i thought of when i came round from the anaesthetic was i need to have a cigarette of course yes so um i tried to get out and the nurse said no you can't leave mr vernon smith because you've just come out from the anaesthetic and i thought no i've got to go so i've got my my, my pajamas on and my dressing gown and i'm still hooked up to a, dra- <laughs> a drip with a cannula in my oh, in my hand dear. so this this chap who had no legs in a wheelchair he said did you say you want to smoke i said yes so he said i'll i'll give you the wink when the coast is clear <laughs> it's like the great escape so so he gave me the wink so the two of us got in the lift and we went downstairs and uh we stood outside the main entrance of this this door mm. having a cigarette so i got chatting to this man with no legs so i said to him are you in here for your legs and he said, yeah, yeah, I am. I said, what, what happened? He said, smoking. With a cigarette in his oh, mouth? Oh, dear. That's, that's the insanity of that the addiction. That is the insanity of the addiction, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how, when, you, I, when I think back to it now, I mean, how, how ridiculous does it seem that I j- literally just come out of a, an anaesthetic and the first thing I wanted to do was go and stand outside in the cold mm. and start inhaling smoke into I my lungs. there is something very British, and I, think it's a, I, do, I do think it's a wonderful image of someone on a drip outside a hospital in their, in their you know, their pyjamas and their dressing gown having a fag. It's, it's a... a British things do, and I think it's unfair. It's not very nice, but I think it's unfair to ban smoking outside hospitals. But do you know when when my mum was in Mount Vernon Hospital, which is uh, you know specialist in cancer, mm. and uh, she was in in there. And I used to go and see her, and you'd get people on chemotherapy drips standing outside the door to the cancer department yeah. smoking a cigarette. I don't know if that still goes on now. This was a few years yeah. ago, but you used to have to walk past these poor people who were so ill themselves, and there they were having. A cigarette mm. now i guess i guess you could argue well you know if you're going through cancer treatment it's very stressful it's an upsetting time and if you are a smoker that's probably a time that you would want to have a cigarette but for everybody else who's not a smoker that has to kind of walk mm. through it it's not just not very pleasant but are we just generally becoming too uptight about smoking in this country and is this this talk of this latest ban on smoking outside hospitals the latest step where we are taking things too far from nine this morning i'd love your views on oh eight four five nine four double five five double five have we become too uptight about smoking in this country across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio We've been hearing today how only one company delivers milk to your doorstep in Leighton Buzzard in the traditional way, as opposed to the non-traditional way. 
Eggington Dairy, based at Peck's Farm, appears to be bucking a trend that's seen the demise of the much-loved milkman. It's an independent, small family business run by Fiona Peck, who told us earlier that the death of the milk delivery will be down to the supermarkets. There are, what, five big supermarkets in Leighton Buzzard, and a lot of people now, instead of having their milk delivered, will get everything from the supermarket. It all depends on vehicle costs and fuel and running costs more than the product. The product actually is still very, very inexpensive. I mean, it's sort of 70p for a pint of milk. It's cheaper than a bottle of water. Yeah. Um, so, but it's the delivery cost, that, and that's what will probably see the demise of it eventually. Well, I'm joined now by Anthony Davison, who uh, is a fifth-generation farmer and set up the local food website Big Barn to give farmers a better deal. Uh, Anthony, what's the current state of the dairy industry? Well, pretty poor. Um, but most of um, my friends who are dairy farmers have uh, given up and um, done something else and uh, got rid of their uh, milking units and turned them into offices or storage places. And... Um, we're moving more and more towards mega dairies where thousands of cows are under one roof and never see the light of day or any grass. No, the only reason I know the phrase mega dairies is because I know they're debating that in the arches as to whether they should introduce uh, a, a, a mega dairy. But are we really seeing the death of the, the small independent dairy farm? Well, um, yes, in the traditional dairy farm, um, we are seeing some new people um, start uh, who are doing what Eggington do, which is to sell direct to the consumer. But Fiona's quite right in that the uh, delivery system is, um, isn't very sustainable, especially when you go down Acacia Avenue and you're only delivering two houses mm. on that street. It becomes a lot more worthwhile when you're delivering ten houses on that street and, and then the delivery cost comes down per pint. Um, well, that's the thing is, we, we want it cheap and we, we want it convenient. And, and 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was harder. There were less corner shops, there were less places that sold milk. Everywhere sells milk now, and it's, it's cheaper than the milkman, isn't it? Well, the trouble is, we've been told we want it cheap, and um, at the end of the day now, we've got a, quite a cheap product. Uh, I mean, um, if you look at a Holstein cow, has been specially bred to produce masses of milk and it actually produces watered down milk and we've got people on big barn who produce jersey milk and sell it direct through vending machines and their milk has got way more solids way more um uh, cream in it and is a much better product and there if they sell it through the uh, food system they're getting about 30p a, a liter if they sell it direct to consumers they're getting um a pound or two pounds a liter depending on um, uh, where you go. Uh, and it's a much better product. Uh, you're paying a little bit more, but the farmer's making a lot more money. We've got one farmer who only has about 30 cows, and um, she milks them only once a day, which is a lot more social. And um, she's doing really well. And that's, that, to me, is very exciting. Are we, are we going to see... Are things going to improve, or are, are we going to... Are more and more of your, your friends and colleagues going to throw in the towel? Um, well, we as consumers need to um, uh, wake up to the fact that uh, we're told we want all these different types of foods uh, and the supermarkets have separated us from the producer. Um, we, we need to get back to, the, to what's local what's, um, uh, and find our local producers and support them. And is this what B Big Barn, your, your website, is, is helping? Exactly. With? Big Barn is all about reconnecting consumers with producers. You go to bigbarn.co.uk, type in your postcode, and a map of your area comes up 
and on the map are lots of different icons and um, where you can see all your different local producers or retailers and a lot of them have little pound signs on which is very exciting because it means that they're cheaper than the supermarket and this is a common misconception that people have in that supermarkets are cheaper for everything because they have so much massive buying power oh look I'm, I'm on your website now and i've just typed in my postcode there are loads near me brilliant it's well, incredible well um yeah this is what we need to do i mean there's your local butcher for instance is probably um cheaper like for like than the supermarket you can go in there uh, get a friendly service and he'll help you find the right bit of meat and um you could probably buy a top side steak from a butcher that would be way cheaper than a supermarket fillet and it would be a lot better well, look, there's a, a dairy goats farm near me. I might pop along. Anthony, best of luck with that. Thank you very much indeed. Bigbarn.co.uk is the place to go to if uh, you want to have a look at that. Um, but by the way, we are asking this morning, can you milk a cat? We're going to be getting the answer after half past eight. That is ex- Who have you got for that, Catherine? Yeah, cat milking expert. <laughs> Fantastic. Well done. Well, can you milk a cat? We'll find out after half past eight. Um, um, you've been texting in about smoking outside hospital. David says, Ian, your comments about smoking in hospitals is lunacy. Are you a secret smoker? No, no. I'm just a, a human being who's got empathy for my brothers and sisters. Emma says, I get milk delivered in Leighton for the very reason of keeping the milkman employed. Well, hang on, if, we just, if you're just getting milk delivered just for the sole purpose of keeping the milkman employed, then that proves how fragile the eco-structure around milk delivery is. It's great to have your milk on the step in the morning. Pete and Stopford, I started getting my milk delivered when my local milkman came round and asked if I'd support a local business. It may be slightly more expensive, but I feel I'm doing my bit for local businesses. You, the people who are getting their milk delivered are doing it simply to keep the milkman in employment. It's, this, it's the pandas all over again, isn't it? It's keeping pandas in captivity just so we've got pandas. Let them die out. Let the milkman die out. Is that what we need to do? This week on the South Bank Show, we'll be looking at the sound of music. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Gosh, the, uh, we'll be finding out if you can milk a cat soon, don't worry about that. Oh, it's an angry smoking text. I know it's angry because it's written in capitals. That means they're shouting! Marion in St Albans. I won't do the shouting. I've been a patient in what... I'll make her sound, you know, soft and sensitive. Which I'm sure she can be at times, just not in this text. I've been a patient in Watford Hospital that is now... that is non-smoking outside, yet cigarette smoke was coming up into the ward. Makes me sick when older ladies, 70-plus, they're in hospital because of their lung problems caused by themselves smoking for years. They also used to go off for a smoke. Uh, as a nurse in Lister Hospital, stinking so bad... As did a nurse in Lister Hospital, stinking so badly of sick smoke, her breath closed hands, I hated her come near me. Royal free ban it and have security men go up to people to stop. I kind of think, listen, if you're 70, if you made it to 70 and you're smoking, good luck to you. Good luck. What's the point of quitting at 70? How much extra time are you going to buy yourself? What, 20 minutes? If you're a 70-year-old, 75-year-old smoker, good luck to you. Oh, wait, 459-455-555. Oh, blimey. Melvin Bragg's back. What's the problem now? Ian. Yes. Your, your pronunciation monitor here. Yes, Melvin. She still said, she still said Basel. Sort it out. Right, hang on. What, what, the, pre- the French is Basel, the German is Basel. Right. What on earth is Basel? Right, OK, this is getting awkward. <laughs> G- G- Catherine, I, I, you know... I... 
He's sending. She's sending a memo. Lord Bragg. Yeah. It's questioning your pronunciation. Okay. Please sort it out. What what punish? By the way, I think Jane is doing an excellent job. What what punishment would you like uh, uh, Jane Killick, the newsreader, to uh, have to endure, Melvin? Oh, that noise! No, not the noise! Whoa! Okay, all right. You want us to give He's her a sonic? Angry. He wants us to give her a sonic blast. I don't think we can do it. Lord Bragg wants uh, Jane Cake to have a sonic blast, and that's what she shall have. Jane, come down and take your punishment. Take your sonic blast like a man. Peter's in Wolverton. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Ian. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, brother. Smoking. We've yes. uh, uh, got the hidden cost of smoking outside hospitals, restaurants, etc., 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 with the thousands of discarded cigarette butts, fag papers, broken lighters, matchsticks and matchboxes, etc., and it costs to clear it all away, which is awfully naughty, especially with the, uh, the cost of ruining your health. My- I was addicted to cigarette smoking for 35 years. I had my last cigarette at 3.30 in the afternoon on the 24th of December, 1982. That was my last well, cigarette. Well done, you. I, I had another one a year later. Oh, so hang, oh, hang on a second, Peter. It wasn't your, it was your penultimate cigarette. No, no. I had a puff of this one because a mate of mine says, have a puff of this. Yeah. It was disgusting. I, well, I thought, why on earth did I waste all that money all those years? However, there is a hidden cost to cigarette smoking, and it is the litter and junk that's called outside any um, office, uh, hotel, etc. The entrance is always cluttered with bad cigarette bits. Do you not feel sorry for smokers, Peter? I do. In a way, I do, because uh, they should really uh, see the writing on the wall and say, I'll pack it up. I've got a friend who's 87, dear old lady, um, and uh, she puffs away, and she says, if this is the only enjoyment I'll get out of life, well, let's carry on. So she can quite carry on, okay. And, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? When, when you do get to 87, and if you're still smoking, well, good. Like, what's the point of giving up? It's gonna, you're going to get an extra three minutes on your life, and it's going to be a miserable three minutes as well, isn't it? Precisely, yes. Uh, Peter, always nice to talk to you. Thank you very much uh, indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call this morning. Now, we've been talking about milk, and that is rather bizarrely taking us on to the conversation of can you milk a cat. Well, can you? Amy Marritt is from the Wheelhouse Vets in Buckinghamshire. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Can you milk a cat? Well, if you really wanted to, you, you could. <laughs> the, the, I, I was, I'm assuming, as someone has tweeted, you can milk anything that's got breasts, really, can't you? Nipples. Yeah, absolutely. It would just be very odd. <laughs> Have you ever tried to milk a cat? Uh, well, well, when I've had a cat cesarean, um, you will often, you know, get some of the milk coming out of the nipple and then put the kitten on it. So, in a way, yes. So but, uh, there we go, you see. I knew there was... It, people think this stuff is random nonsense. I knew there was a method behind it. I just hadn't worked out what it was. So, you can... What... You've done... Have you done cat cesareans? Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, there'll be a, a cat that's kissing and, and the kitten gets stuck or she has oh trouble. Oh, goodness. So she'll have to have a cesarean. What does it look like inside a cat's tummy? Um, <laughs> well, much like, much like um, most insides of most Mammals, really? I went to. I went to. This is very odd. Last week, I did some filming for Inside Out that'll be shown in the new year, and I. Uh, it was about taxidermy, and I saw a young lady 
Um, cut open a mouse. It was dead. At least I think mm-hmm. the hammer blow killed it. Uh, uh, cut yeah. open a mouse and, uh, and, and took its skin off. And the, the, everything in the body, in this mouse's body, all of its internal organs, they're in like a sort of translucent sack, aren't they? Everything is contained within this sack. Is that the same for all animals? Well, tiny little animals, everything is quite translucent. It's, it's not quite as, as see-through. Everything's a bit thicker and more solid than the, right. the bigger animals. But is it still but within a sack? In a sack? Yeah, is, is, uh, uh, cat's kidneys and hearts and things, it's sort of all in a sack. Yeah, it's all in the peritoneum and the abdomen. It's the lining of the abdomen. Oh, it's oh! I, I find this stuff morbidly fascinating. <laughs> is there, do, c- c- are there any other animals that we can milk? Because I, I remember being a child and being so, so surprised you could get goat's milk. Wow! Yeah, goat's milk. You, you can actually get sheep and goat's milk. Um, sheep machines. Yeah, sheep and goat's milk machines, just like dairy cow oh. um, machines. You know, where you put the put the um, the suckers on, um, just like you can do with cows. Wowzers! Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Our Amy- neighbours back in New Zealand have some goats that they milk like that. Oh, they do crazy stuff over there, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, my, my brother-in-law is, is uh, a Kiwi, so I kind of get to hear all of the crazy stuff. Amy, you've been a good sport this morning. Thank you very much for coming on and answering that question. <laughs> That's right, no worries. There we go. Amy Merritt from the Wheelhouse Vets in Buckinghamshire. It sounded like nonsense, but there is sight she's milked a cat. Fantastic, you see? Thank you for that, Catherine. Excellent stuff. Um, Sean's in Marsh Farm. Morning, Sean. <laughs> Morning, yeah. yeah. I'm not talking about milking cats, by the way. That's, I think we've uh, solved the milking the cat problem. <laughs> um, the, the, the issue of banning people from smoking on, on um, hospital grounds, I think, is, has been totally um, misinformed and misrepresented because a secondhand smoke um, has never killed anybody. Uh, oh. A research done by a Dr. Katie Little from Oxford University actually proves this and the main thing that's going through the windows of the hospital wards that are open is the pollution from the road. That is that is a fact yet nobody wants to admit it. So, so where is this evidence that, that, that second-hand smoke doesn't kill you? It's, uh, it's you go on the internet and uh, right. Dr. Kitty Little, L-I-T-T-L-E yep. and uh, you look that up. I've actually talked Kitty to Litter. my MP last week about this Kevin Kit- Hopkins about um, Kitty you know, the dangers of air pollution Kitty Litter? Little, L-I-T-T-L-E. Okay, let's let's have a little look. Um, okay. Okay, so... so da, la, 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 da, la, 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 la. Um, <laughs> okay. But what about... Can I, can I put two words to you? Sure. Roy Castle. Roy Castle, in my information, was partial to smoking cigar- uh, cigars, which is something that has never been brought out um, and is something that hasn't ever been used by the uh, so-called um, anti-smoking bands and all that, the pro-smoking band people, sorry. Um, I Again, that's research I got from um, the internet, so I can't really actually prove this. If, if it's the fact that Roy Castle, fine. So is Roy Castle the only person in this entire country that's died from passive smoking? Remember, uh, Godfrey Bloom, an MEP, asked a question in the uh, European Parliament, and he asked for half a dozen names of the entire, what, 400, 500 million population of uh, the European Union, named six people who've died from um, secondhand smoke, and the answer was none, zero. Okay. So uh, it's been blown out of all proportion um, that it's a killer. So you'd be quite happy. You'd be quite happy if you got. You'd be quite happy if you had a child or a, or a grandchild, a, a, a baby or a young child, sure. to sit in the same 
closed small room with a group of smokers thinking they were yeah, perfectly you see, safe. People have always, um, they're always using um, would you young be, children, etc. Would you be happy for... And that was the main factor well, for banning you, it in pubs. But, Sean, but, Sean, yeah, hang you, on a minute. No, Why answer that, Sean, answer that the question. When we had the, uh, the cock Sean, syndrome, okay, Sean, uh, in the early 70s... Sean, Sir? Sean, answer the question. Would you be happy for a small child or grandchild of yours, let's say a toddler of one, yes. uh, to sit in a small room with no ventilation while, let's well, say, no, half no, a dozen no, people no, smoke? No, of course you wouldn't. Why but not? Then, yeah, but you see, that's been expanded Why then. Why not? No, well, right. That's been expanded Why not? to people smoking in the street. No, 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 no. Why, why yes. not? If, well, if, if secondhand smoke has never killed anybody and it's not dangerous, according to Dr. Well, Kitty Litter, according to this research, why would the, you, you, know, yeah, why okay, would you not want a child to sit in a room full of smoke then? Well, no, because I don't think it's the right thing to do. Why? I think if, if you want to smoke, you should be able to smoke in a designated area and not even in front of anybody who doesn't like secondhand smoke. Remember, but if uh, secondhand Ian, smoke isn't dangerous, the, it's never killed yeah. anybody, didn't kill Roy Castle, then... Well, I, what I'm saying is I'm just giving you the, the, the information that I've got. And okay. if it did kill Roy, all due respect to his family there, is he the only person who died from second-hand smoke? Sean, it's, we've got to end it now. I hope you feel you had a fair crack of the whip. whip. I just want to get Peter and Warmer Green on the line. Morning, Peter. Good morning. Peter, what would you like to say about this? I just want to say, uh, uh, would you like to be the person who goes and speaks to a man who's smoking outside hospital when he's just lost his loved one? No. Well, that, well who would? So it's pie in exactly. the sky, what they're talking about. Uh, you're, you're, so, you're right. I, I, I hadn't considered, until we had a caller earlier on who did lose her husband, yeah. uh, I hadn't considered the, 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 the visitor. Well, and, and they, mean, they, it's stressful for the visitors to go and see your, your loved ones in such a condition, or as you say, passing on. Let them go out and have a cigarette, for goodness sakes. Well, I mean, I went to, I went to the wall where my wife was being treated for five hours at a time for chemo, with chemo. And you're sitting there, you're under stress all day long, and people did go out and smoke. Mm. So uh, I can't condemn people because they're addicted. And, that, and it's pie in the sky from some nameless person, really. It's pie in the sky. Uh, Peter, thank you very much indeed. Uh, uh, Mrs. Gerv on Twitter says, uh, Secondhand smoke never hurt anyone. He found this on the internet. Is this rece- research peer-reviewed? Uh, it, it's interesting, yes. I, whenever people say, I found it on the internet, the internet that doesn't mean anything. I could write on there that, um, you know, Kelly Betts is an excellent member of the team. Put it on the internet. Doesn't make it true. Doesn't make it true just because someone has published it on the old HTTP. S. BBC Three Counties Radio tells you what's going on where you live. It's edgy, it's live, and it's able to respond to things that are happening in the Three Counties immediately. BBC Three Counties Radio is the station that brings communities together. People feel it's their local. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And uh, whoever that wise sage was who, who said in that package that it uh, reacts to stories immediately, that's what's happening here. Now we are getting word, as you've heard, of a gas explosion in Bletchley. Gairlock Avenue has been evacuated. Residents are being looked after at Sycamore Hall on Drayton Road. And uh, apparently an elderly woman is in hospital. We'll, uh, we'll get more on this throughout the morning. But if you are in that area, if you know that area, could you give us a call? Let us know uh, exactly what's going on. 08459 four double five five double five. J-Dog is coming up. But before that, Andy in Potter's Bar. Morning, Andy. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm, I'm OK, right. thank you. What can I do for you? Earlier, I was listening, I was coming along the M25, and you're talking about um, uh, mispronunciations of some words in the English language. No, we weren't. We would, no. What were you, uh, the word Basel no, came to mind? No, we, oh, ah, yes, sorry, no, we were talking about mispronunciation, yes. That's, that's mispronunciation. It's, now, it's pronounced pronunciation. 
Okay, okay. Don't be picky. Well, no, hang on. That's what you've called in to do. Listen, no. listen there's one there's one word which you are all, all trying to hijack, and you are responsible for oh, this word as well. Hang on a second. The fellow who phones up to talk about mispronunciation, which isn't a word, is now having a go at me. He's holding up the mirror yep. to my Medusa-like now. stare. Yeah, now listen to this. Listen good. You put, you don't probably realise you're doing this, but the word had has been hijacked to the word hat. Instead of saying I had to go to the doctors or I had to do this, people tend to say I had to do it. I will not buy it. Now, a hat is something you wear, and I've been listening On to you. Head, yes, I've seen and you, you are guilty. You're really guilty. No, 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 you're wrong. No, I'm right. No, you're wrong. No, I want, I, I want these listeners to phone in and back me up. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. They won't, because you're wrong. Uh, he's got, he's just, he just hung up. He just hung up. He did a hit and run. Very poor hit and run. Good, good try, Andy. I would give that, I'd give that a four and a half out of ten. If you hadn't have mispronounced mispronunciation by saying mispronunciation, then that, you'd have got a five and a half out of ten. But don't come on to pick me up on my pronunciation and then mispronounce mispronunciation. And also, I'm not saying hat. I'm not saying hat. I'm not saying a T. It's the evolution of language. I had to do it. I had to do it. It's kind of a softer D. The D is curling over in my mouth. It's not a hat, not a hard T. So, Andy, four and a half... Four, let's say four out of ten. Let's round it down, OK? Thanks for the effort. Must try harder. Maureen's in High Wycombe. Maureen, you had to call me up. What do you want to say? Only that last year I had treatment at um, the Churchill in Oxford, and outside the door were people like um, John Vernon Smith hooked up to drips and whatnot, yes. coughing their hearts out with their cigarettes. Um, when I asked in the paper shop, did they sell cigarettes? They said, no, they weren't allowed to. Oh. And I said, well, how do they get them? And they said, the relatives bring them in. Yeah. Let them have a little fag outside, Maureen. <laughs> what, a cancer hospital? Well, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, yes, it's not nice, and yes, they shouldn't be doing it, but we don't know if those cancers were smoking-related. There's only a small number of cancers are smoking-related, aren't they? My father was dying of cancer in oh, the dear. 70s. I'm sorry to hear that. And he was desperate for a cigarette, and yeah. they would not let him have one. Oh, and there was no way he was going to walk out of that hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I, when my mum was in hospital about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, she was in hospital for three months, and she hated the food, and my sister and I would smuggle in McDonald's for her. Is that, is that naughty? Is that, should that be banned? Um, depends if you like McDonald's. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Maureen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, well, the reason we're talking about this is that the, the, there are calls to ban smoking on their, uh, 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 hospitals to ban smoking on their grounds. But uh, is it cruel? I feel sorry for smokers. The National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, or NICE, just think, if they swap two of those words around, they could be niche. They've totally missed an opportunity there. They've issued guidance calling for smoking shelters to be removed and for staff to stop assisting patients to smoke. Well, Justin, you've been outside the Luton and Dunstable Hospital Ooh. this morning. Uh, have you seen any smokers out there? Oh, yes. Oh, I've oh, seen yes. lots of smokers. Uh, we should talk about the staff in a moment. Now, all of the non-smokers say it should be banned at hospitals for, for all the reasons we normally hear. It's smelly, it's disgusting. You know, they shouldn't be here. So what I've done, I've spoken to people outside the hospital, either in the shelters or in the no-smoking areas where they shouldn't be smoking anyway, and I've been getting their views. Here's what they've had to say. Well, Stephen, you're here at the L&D today. Can you tell us why you're here, first of all? I have kidney dialysis, yeah, three days a week. So you come in three days a week, yeah. and your blood is drained and then put back yeah, into your pump, body? they pump, take, it's like a needle down, needle up. One takes all the blood out, 
with all the fluids and the other one pumps it back in. It sounds incredibly stressful. Very stressful. Now you're out the front here before you go in and you're smoking. Yes, I know. Stupid, but you say, say you need something to wind down. Do you think smoking should be banned at hospitals? How would it make you feel if they said to you this morning, you can't smoke? I, 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 I think I agree with it. I mean, to be honest, you can go and stand out on the road to have a cigarette, you know what I mean? The, the, the thing that's bad is when the nurses come out of a cigarette, and that looks bad for the patients anyway. Well, madam, we're just outside the hospital. We can see the signs, but you're smoking here. Do you think smoking should be banned at hospitals? Yes. Um, I live in Australia. I've flown over to be with my mother, who's critically ill. In Australia, you can't smoke within about 50 metres of hospital entrances. It, the smells carry through to the hospital. It just doesn't create a healthy well-being atmosphere. But then the other side of it is us smokers need somewhere to go when we're here 24 hours a day. Well, I wish your mum every success. That cigarette you're having right now, is that, in a weird way, helping you? It's a bit of a crux, yes. Are you surprised? You mentioned about Australia there. Are you surprised just how easy it is for you to smoke here? All the signs are up saying no smoking, but, but nobody's going to stop you. The first cigarette I had, I expected a security guard to come and say something, and I've now been here three days and nobody's said anything. So, Well, Martin, you're here in the smoking shelter at the L&D. Um, what are you here for today, if you don't mind me asking? I've got a um, scan on my kidney. Do you think that smoking should be banned in hospitals? These shelters, should they go? No, absolutely not. There's a lot of smokers who attend the hospital and they need to, we, we're just as important as any other patients. We need someone to go for a cigarette, so we can't smoke anywhere else, so why not put us in the shelter right away? We're not harming anyone. Do you not think it sends out the wrong example, though? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's our choice to smoke. You know, we're not forcing anyone to smoke. You know, if you don't want to smoke, you don't smoke. So people having... The, did you see anybody with a drip on? Uh, nobody oh. with a drip this morning, but, um, you know, those people there, um, two of them were in an area which was a no-smoking area. Right. There's signs right the way throughout the hospital saying this is a, a no-smoking hospital. They have got various shelters. And to get back to the staff, now, uh, none of the staff could talk to us on tape this morning. We're not going to name them, but what they said to me was, come break time, the shelters and various areas across the hospital, they are full of the staff and they are smoking. That, for me, Ian, I'm afraid sends out the wrong message. Justin, we'll look at this again in the future because I think there's an interesting thing about whether doctors and nurses should be setting examples or not. Just very quickly, Justin, because you've been at the L&D, I think I will mention this, uh, the the, the chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, uh, Elaine is telling me that there is uh, uh, testing going on after 9.30 at the L&D pharmacy reception in the new block. So there you go. Public service announcement done. Ken's in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. Ken, what can I do for you? You say about smoking in a a confined space. My dad smoked 40 a day and six kids in a room 10 by 10, as I said to JVS. Yeah. None of us are dead yet. So I've got three friends that died of cancer, but they never smoked a day in their life. There we go. You you can. We now have have evidence that Ken and the other gentleman who phoned up and found it on the internet, passive smoking is a myth. Well, Roy Car- we got all this after Roy Castle started. His- Secondary smoke is a myth. You can't be made ill from breathing in other people's toxic nicotine-stained smoke. Oh, well, I mean, there's a- what about car exhausts? What about car exhausts? I'm not shoving me... I'm not sitting in a room full of car exhausts, am I? You're saying uh, about uh, smoking, yeah, car exhaust... Ex- uh, Poor 
argument, Ken. Listen, listen here. Or argument. Smoking is a luxury. Ve- vehicles are a necessity. Now, let me, let me say, I am a smoker. I enjoy my fact. I can tell you're a smoker. Well, that's it. But, listen, now, when people say about clearing up fag butts and all this... I go down the road, I see beer cans, beer bottles. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on, Ken. Cold, Ian. Huh? Got a cold. Yeah, I got a cold, Ken. Listen, I, I don't mind you, I feel sorry for smokers. I feel sorry for you. I don't, I like it. So, you and that's know. Why, that's why I feel sorry for you, Ken. Thank you very much indeed. I'm only stopping you because we run out of time. Try and call a bit earlier tomorrow so we can uh, spend a bit more time chatting. Thank you very much. Uh, indeed. Oh, indeed. Actually, p- pretending to p- pull on a drag on a cigarette there has made me a little bit, um... Oh, it's, it, it's done something to me. I do not want to smoke. I do not want to smoke. Well, that's it. It's another one. Thank you very much, everybody, who took part in the show this morning. I think it's so much better when you call in. And, boy, we've been getting loads of calls in the last couple of weeks. Thank you for that. Right, that's it. That's enough for me. Until tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Ta-ta. JVS up next. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.